return of the A-Team here on Rogue Opinions. I am Jim. And of course, because it's the A-Team, I'm joined by Nathan and Scott. And we're going to check in on the wrestling. So hi, guys. How's it going? Hey, man. Good. <laughs> See, that's what we like to call the roller coaster of an intro. Like, it starts out real hot, and then you bring people in. It's like a Bill Murray story. He starts whispering right in your ear. <laughs> you, you have bought a lot of energy. Yeah, I mean, that that will surely dissipate as we move on into this now locked-in three-hour-long extravaganza. Oh, God. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> oh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so as I said... Uh, so why the I'm fuck are we here? We're here because, uh, well, frankly, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have a lot going on at the moment, so we're going to check in with the Graps. Grapple people. Grapple people. So, um, as uh, we record here today over the weekend, we had uh, Revolution, the uh, was the third AEW pay per view, second since they started on television. Um, Nathan, we're gonna. I'm getting this one out of the way because Nathan, cards on the table, hasn't seen it, so he's not going to be interjecting about how horribly uh, handled Kenny Omega was before he was in a death match um, <laughs> or anything like. That. But Scott, Scott, Scott's seen it. I've seen it. Um, and we're going to briefly just break down some of our favorites. So I'm going to go to you, Scott. Uh, what was your, because I know that there are a couple contenders for match of the night, uh, at least in most people's eyes on the internet. So in your opinion, what do you consider to be match of the night? I would probably say the, the tag match between the Bucks and Hangman and Kenny. I know that'll probably be a popular one when people ask what the match of the night was, but I think if you watch it, there's a good reason. I'll honestly say I know we, what we've done, like, We've done reviews for All Out and Full Gear, and we talked about there are some goods and some bad. I honestly think this is the best pay-per-view they've done in like, the short history of them being around, because like, especially since the start of 2020, I've seen a lot of people point out that they've kind of found their groove a little bit, and it might be to do the whole story that Tony Khan is actually stepping in creatively and like getting more involved than he was before. Because uh, before it just seemed like everybody had an idea and wanted to get their idea on the show. It did seem a little like more aimless uh, towards the beginning, as if they were sort of settling into it. But it does seem like there's like a consistent sort of. He said during that, uh, the, did you watch the press roundup uh, after? Uh, I usually do, but I haven't had a chance to. Uh, I, I watched. I think I watched about half of it, and the thing that stood out to me the most was uh, he mentioned that pretty much since the beginning of the year when he started taking more of a space in the creative because he's always been involved and he always signs off on everything obviously but uh he's he's been sort of more involved to keep everything on track and he mentioned that there was only one segment that he wished he could take back and that was the um the uh, nightmare collective thing uh, around uh chris statlander and reho he wishes mm-hmm. that they hadn't overbooked that like crazy but pretty much ever since then it's just been all light in the tunnel like you can you can see for miles and miles and miles um and I think that that mostly a lot of people you're right, that is like a probably uh, like high on the list of people's like idea for what match of the night is. And it is very, very good. But then Pack versus Orange Cassidy happened. <laughs> and my my brain was just coated in like liquid smiles. That match that match was so fucking fun. It was just so much fun to see Orange Cassidy finally do something um, like like where he, you know, quote, tried. And I think that's the best build to a match I've ever heard. It's like, Pac, you better be ready because this time he's going to try. And the audience is like, he's going to try. He's going to try. 
fucking fantastic. And he got a couple of flurries in and then Pac just destroyed him, which he should have. Let's be real. But it was fantastic. And the whole night was really good. I would have shaved a couple of minutes off of the uh, the opening and probably the closing match and not placed the women's title match uh, where it was because, I mean, I would have opened with the women's title match just to make sure that the crowd was hotter because the match was definitely better than the reaction it got um, because it had to follow that fantastic tag match. I mean, they went 30 30 minutes and three seconds or something like that, and it it was just Meltzer bait. Like, it was just, give us the stars, old man. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think it was really good for them. Um, I, they are definitely on a roll. And uh, I can't wait because they announced that they are doing uh, their version of the War Games match, even though that's not what they're calling it. They're doing Blood and Guts uh, in Newark on March 25th at the Prudential Center. And I'm going to fucking be there for that. And I can't wait to come onto this podcast and talk about exactly what that was like in person. Um, so we were talking a little bit off, off the air before we started, about that blood and guts match, who would you put in there? Um, I already got Nathan's answer a little bit, uh, but Scott, if, uh, for their blood and guts match, what would you make the, let's say it's two teams. What would you make the two teams? Well, I think you need to have the inner circle as one team. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how, like I've said about when I was asked about the, the idea of Undisputed Era being in all the WWE's version of the, the, uh, war games. And I think they're basically being played as like the horsemen back in the day. It was always in the early war games, it was either the horsemen v a collection of faces, either led by Dusty or by Sting. So you need that prominent heel faction in there. And I think that is the inner circle. Now, usually I would say the elite, but like you technically don't have the elite anymore because Hangman's off doing his own thing. He and Kenny are getting along now. So I think obviously it's just going to be a, I would say a team led by Cody. Like the whole Cody Jericho thing isn't as hot as it was at the end of last year because now Cody can't challenge for the title anymore and he can't, but he's, he's probably going to continue the thing with MJF because MJF got a little win by the by like any of his teams looking for the words. But I would maybe say, like, just get Moxley and just a, well, a band of misfits from the, the roster, like get Darby Allen and Jimmy Havoc there because let them. Like three like vile like deathmatch style wrestlers and a like big cage match against the top heels and I'm trying to think who else you get maybe you throw Dustin in there because of the thing with Hager but I think his involvement might just look random compared to the other guys. I think I definitely the idea of seeing uh, Darby Allen do a coffin drop off the ceiling of the cage is definitely mm-hmm. something that would be very interesting, but. Uh, Nathan, uh, as far as their blood and guts match um, at Newark on March 25th, uh, what would you like? What would the, what would the teams be that you would put in there? Obviously, everyone's going to think inner circle, uh, but what? Who else would you possibly want to throw in there? I think you kind of got to put inner circle in there. I know it just it just screams being so obvious because we don't know. Do they they don't have rematch clauses in AEW, do they? Well, they've never said that they do or don't. Well, um, actually, yeah, uh, SCU got a mandatory rematch for the tag oh, titles. Oh, okay. So, so I, I don't know if that was, like, just because they were the first champions. Yeah, so, because that's the only problem with the pay-per-view is, are they going to put mock, because it's, it's going to have to main event first off. Oh, you don't yeah. You don't want to be following that. So maybe you put Moxley in there. 
Like Team Moxley and Team Jericho. Because you could have Team Moxley, because Mo, uh, Moxley was a deathmatch wrestler beforehand. So it would maybe align with what Scott just said of having Moxley, Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, and uh, someone else in uh, Joey Janela, maybe? Oh, like if he just brings like all of his deathmatch guys with him. He just brings deathmatch people out. I know Joey Janela's been a wee bit vocal. I don't know how much of it is a work or a shoot, brother, brother, saying that he's <laughs> not having that he's not having the best time in AEW. Um, yeah, he said it's been rough working there, like rough getting stuff through. Oh yeah, it must. <laughs> the stuff that they've done, you got to think. What what are his ideas? <laughs> like if he's having trouble getting shit through, like all the stuff that they've done. But uh, he could just bring out his. It could be Deathmatch Boys v Inner Circle. That could uh, be that could be interesting as hell. Yeah, that could be a lot of fun. Because you could go you could go nuts because they can do things that sorry Scott they could do things that NXT can't do. So they could go they could go in in like obviously not it's weird to say not unsafe it's wrestling but not going too far but they could go way more nuts than the NXT boys can go if it's going to be the same format. Yeah, I think the idea of as I having a team of death match like hardcore guys led by Moxley. Given that the title of this like episode of Dynamite is Blood and Guts, it would suit the whole theme and the fact you're having this was built as a very like violent match because that's how like, war games used to be built as the ultimate like score settler. Also love the fact that they've announced like it was only when I seen that for a second time I seen AEW Dynamite Blood and Guts. So like this is even a pay per view. They're just doing this for an episode of Dynamite, which is interesting. Well, like, because I think what's interesting about AEW is that, like, once every couple of weeks or so, they put on, like, like that the, the show in Atlanta, uh, what was that, two weeks ago? Like, mm-hmm. they, that was pay-per-view quality, like, entertainment. And in my opinion, like, if they had put that show on in that size of a building with that hot of a crowd and uh, the cage match as the, the main event, like, Fuck it. Like, that's that's a pay-per-view to me. I, that whole show is top to bottom really, really fun and interesting. Uh, but the fact that every couple of weeks or so they're running one of these, like, super shows and putting some sort of gimmick on, like, at least one of the matches uh, is, is a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to it a whole, whole bunch. Um, was there anything from the AEW side you guys want to cover before we move on? Oh, I was going to say, this is in March, this match, and... Uh, I've seen on the news apparently that Jericho has got a new tour with Fozzie. It starts in April, which I think explains why the thing with Moxley ha- went the way it did. So I think Jericho, like the inner circle, could stick around, but without Jericho for a while, and kind of like Jericho takes this like massive bump, maybe trying to climb out the cage, and like takes a bump from like Owen Moxley throw him off through like a table or something, and then that writes Jericho off TV until after the Fozzie tour and. You keep him away from the title. It doesn't give him his automatic rematch. And then if Moxley's still champion or whatever, he's champion. Whenever Jericho's free to come back, he just put Jericho right back in the title picture and it feels fresh again because he's been away for a while. I think they could get away with even making Blood and Guts the title match. Like, if anybody on Team Inner Circle wins, Jericho gets the belt back. You know, and then, of course, you don't have him win because he's going to go off on tour uh, or anything. Uh, I but, don't know. Uh, that's like when um, that's like when they've not done it in they've not done it for a long time that I can remember. But that's like oh no, they did with uh, KO and Sammy against AJ. But when they have like tag matches in WWE for singles titles, I always find that 
it's probably just maybe just my personal taste, but I always find that just a bit weird. Oh, it's definitely weird. Yeah, it's definitely weird. But I think that it stands to reason that Jericho's guys are there for Jericho. And you could see people like Sammy Guevara or who that incredible. Did you see the video of the 630 that he did through the table, Nathan? Did you have you not seen anything? Uh, uh, no, I did see a gif of that uh, to, to, to the outside. Insane. It was so quick. I didn't really register everything that he'd done and that he was just laying there. I was like, man, this guy is a, uh, I really like Sammy Guevara. Guevara. Yeah. That's how you say Guevara, his name. Yeah. Sammy Guevara. Uh, I really like him. And let's not forget Brody Lee is premiering like the week before that. Oh, is he? Is oh. he signed? Yeah. Oh what? yeah. Yeah. He, it's, it's expected. It's expected that he's supposed to come in because his hometown is I think in the upstate New York area, and that's where he's he's gonna come on, is through that. That's been floating around that's, for a little while. Why not put put him straight into, uh, Wargame Blood and Guts, whatever it's called. Put him straight. Put him straight in there. Have him come out instead of Joey Janela if Joey Janela's too busy pitching insanity. Or and, you know trying to get back in his uh, trying to get back into Penelope Penelope Ford's pants on. Uh, <laughs> And being all pissed off at fucking the battle twink, Kip Sabian. <laughs> I mean, they, they did uh, recently sign Lance Archer. Uh, so I think it would be interesting if he came in, especially if he's part of Moxley's team, because his last like, proper match in New Japan was losing to Moxley. And his whole slogan used to be, everybody dies. So he's God. having him in a match on a show called Blood and Guts, and then teased the sense between him and Moxley, given their, their history. Uh, it's going to be funny when we present all this and then the surprise person is Terry Funk oh I would shit I'd my pants <laughs> I'd pop so hard I'd shit my pants if I got to watch 80 year old Terry Funk wrestle in a fucking war games match I'm sorry blood and guts because uh, Tony Khan made it very 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 clear that they've never used that he's never going to use that name because he's afraid of a little bit of a thing called a lawsuit um and uh yeah so if i heard terry funk come out and he's just like oh god damn it i'm ca- i'm going to go out there and i'm going to oh, i'm going to kick jericho's fucking ass or whatever and yeah i think i'd lose Man, my mind that was a good impression i have a lot of friends who do the terry funk impression so it just it, it comes out you ever watch the video of him getting kicked by a horse and then trying to fight it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's the best oh, anyone hasn't seen that. Son of a bitch. Oh. <laughs> I guess really, the final thing on AEW, I get all oh, the big talking point from AEW is Matt Hardy has put a video up now at time of recording, which is the second, uh, that he is now a free agent. He's obviously going to sign with AEW. He made a big uh, point during the video too. You guys have both watched the video, right? Yeah. Uh, he makes a very big point of going like, oh, I'm going to watch, you know, Ring of Honor and Impact and bullshit. You're going to look at Ring of Honor and Impact and MLW and all that shit. You're going to go to AEW. You're already the exalted one, except for the one time they used Raven's voice in one of those videos. But it's not going to be Raven, even though he was and, in the um, crowd. Except for the one time that it was going to be Marty Skrull and then he didn't sign with them. Uh, according, it totally wasn't though. Matt Jackson was like, "That was that was never the plan." It's so, okay. Oh, okay, guys. <laughs> is it weird that I want Matt actually to go to NWA Power? Because I just want a face off between the question mark and Broken Matt. Yeah, 
Like, yeah. I, oh, that would be I, fun. I, I don't ask for just, a lot in life. I wonder if you just turn up on NXT this week. Just because I just want to see how angry everyone would be. Well, and you oh, said, if like, he showed I said, up like, anywhere. Like, <laughs> he I said, I left WWE, not NXT. <laughs> yeah, I said I left WWE, guys. You idiots. Well, apparently they did offer him a uh, like a spot in NXT instead of going back to the main roster and like essentially not being used. Uh, to the only time he was used like lately was to defend the guy who like years ago like his girlfriend cheated on him with. And they had that big story. Like, oh, okay, that's a good story. I like. That. I like. I like the whole Edge and Orton thing, but you could have used other people other than Matt Hardy. And I love Matt Hardy and I think his promos were great and stuff. But for him just to get destroyed two weeks in a row, okay, cool. Like just yeah. get him just get him the fuck out of there. Move him somewhere else. But if he shows up anywhere other than AEW, the internet will burn to the ground. And I'm uh, not but, ready for that. You just had Bray Wyatt and Goldberg, so <laughs> That's what I was gonna talk of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we may as well talk of it. We gonna slip into Super Showdown? Oh, can we can we not can we not break the entire show down? Can I can I not talk about all the rest of the show? Well, you want to talk about the urine-colored trophy that we're fighting for at the start? The slab of frozen piss, as Ross from Cultaholic called it. Hey, have Isn't some respect. That's the use to, the color, to why trophy. Use the color of that trophy to. That's how they could tell that Andrade was had failed the wellness policy in Samoa Joe. Just sit there. <laughs> This is the urine next to the trophy. Like it's the exact same color. That's not natural. You're on something. This is this is how they made the trophy. That's why all these guys are getting suspended and shit because they needed samples to 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 like make the trophy. It looked like the fucking aggro crag trophy from Guts. You know, like do you ever do you guys ever watch Guts or was that just a thing here? No, I've never heard, I've never heard of it. It was a Nickelodeon show. For those who don't know, it was a Nickelodeon show back in the mid '90s where they had kids do like physical competition at the very end all the winners would climb this thing called the aggro crag and they would win a trophy that was like supposedly a chunk of the aggro crag and, the, and all this other shit and it looks exactly like the takir what? Ta- so they they climb what it's called the aggro crag it was essentially was like it? a or like a rock climbing course essentially but it had like oh, okay. different areas where like rocks would fall on you and people would like they would try <laughs> Yeah, well, it wasn't real rocks. It was like watching um, Takahashi's Castle, or uh, better known as uh, uh, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge, uh, MXC. Like, it was like one of those. Like, they were like plastic rocks and shit. But at one point, they'd be running through the thing, and the fucking thing would start to shake, and the lights would go, and then some smoke would come up. And then these fucking plastic, gigantic plastic rocks would come down and fall on these children um, <laughs> who were trying to make it to the top. Sounds, I just Googled it to make sure that you're not just making shit up. It, it, it not is not? real. This was my childhood. <laughs> do, 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 you I'm have it. Go. I'm, trying to it like, I'm just feeling like we've got the short end of the stick here in the UK because all we had was yeah. fucking Jungle Run where kids oh, were trying Jungle to run was so like, good. while guys in monkey suits try to throw shit at them to distract them. Well, I mean, Guts wasn't as bad as uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, where, like, random, like, ancient Aztecan people would come out of, like, the wall and abduct children uh, while while they would run, like, a, an obstacle course. I'm watching a video of the um, someone getting the perfect score on the aggro crag. Oh, they, Jesus, they did they, they did drop they rocks should. on people. Yeah, Jeez. I told you, they dropped fucking rocks on people. Yeah, they are. This thing looks insane. 
Holy shit. Oh, this guy's just absolutely busted. He's done it in like 10 seconds. That's what exactly. a kid. That's mental. Oh, and they just dropped loads of rocks on the losers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he loses. These American children's television was making sure, like, this guy won. You're an idiot. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's just, oh, the winner gets an AK 47. <laughs> <laughs> no, you see the trophy at all? It looks like the, bringing this back to wrestling, it looks like the trophy from. Oh, God, it does. Trophy. It's like a giant, just broken bit of glass or something. <laughs> yeah, well, that they, they said it was something that, like, uh, Mike O'Malley. Uh, who is now an actor and stuff. He he was the host and he would always say like, oh, well, yes, this was a piece of the aggro crag that was broken off and it will be re- awarded to the winner. And it's like, the fuck it was. Like, it's, come on. Like, we're not that stupid. Then again, I did watch Beetleborgs around the same time and Jay Leno was obviously masquerading as that genie. Oh, I'm not Googling that one. Am I, am I, the only, I, thought, I thought I was the only one who thought that looked like Jay Leno. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> At like six years old, you'd go to school and be like, doesn't that guy look like Jay Leno? And people would go, who the fuck is Jay Leno? I mean, to be fair, I only watched one or two episodes of Beetleborgs. I mean, it just looked like shit Power Rangers to me. But... Oh, they crossed them <laughs> over. Don't you know they crossed them over? I did not. I actually didn't know that. Uh, a couple times. Yeah, it's actually really shit. Like, I mean, even more shit than Beetleborgs was usually. They made Power Rangers even shitter than that was. And combine them into a large steaming coil of garbage. Speaking of large steaming piles of garbage, <laughs> what would be a tougher, tougher challenge in sport? Uh, beating Tyson Fury uh, in a boxing match, obviously, or beating Mansoor in Saudi Arabia? It depends on the weight of the gear that they have you wear as you walk to the <laughs> ring. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> well, obviously it's going to be forty pounds. <laughs> I mean, I I feel bad way people like kind of pile on Mansoor because I, I really want him to do more in between. Shows. Like he was on the, he was on the takeover pre-show panel and he was great. I mean, people were cheering him because he was taking the piss out of Sam Roberts. That Poppy, the singer, comes out of her car backstage and he says she looks like the bad guy from Power Rangers because of her outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, he was great. And the, the, the thing was is that people were already hating Sam Roberts. So M- Mansoor is so good. Like, he seems to be so good at that broadcasting thing where you listen to the audience. And I know that's very strange to hear that somebody in WWE was, like, listening to the audience during something and able to adapt. But the way that it came up, because I actually watched that pre-show because, like, I'm really into self-harm. Um, but, like, <laughs> I watched it. I watched it as it was happening. <laughs> And it seemed it seemed that he like he was doing it like because he had heard the audience and he's fucking great. And he's had four matches in WWE and I'm, I'm including the Saudi shows and like they need to start having him do more because people seem to fucking like him and he's a likable guy. And, you know, it, why not have him do more things other than wrestling Dolph fucking Ziggler on a show in his hometown like. You may as well just put him in there with a mop, and then everybody could be like, "Oh, monster is winning. Cool, the streak is alive." Um, I mean, people, I feel like Adam Bacchetti on call it were like, "Oh, poor Dolph Ziggler, basically being put in position because they knew he was like, no, fuck Dolph Ziggler, no, poor Dolph Ziggler." Like, yeah, slightly assume for Cesaro being put in a position, he was fed even though that match was good because you know Cesaro should be in a higher position, but Dolph had his time. He didn't make it. Fuck him. And he, he tried to steal Mandy Rose from Otis, so fucking... There was, something, 
There was that thing where he was on the where he was on the After the Bell podcast and a couple of other podcasts where he's like, "Oh yeah, I was coming to the end of my contract. I really needed to go away for a bit because uh, because everyone just knows that I lose all the time. How can you miss me if I don't go away?" Sort of thing. Um, and then I ended up signing a new three-year deal. And you're like, well, well, uh, uh, "Stop! Stop signing deals, Dolph! Like, yeah, for stop! Real. Stop go doing tell, it! <laughs> go tell your shit and dick jokes for a few for a few months." And like really go away again for a little while. And then when you come back, don't just do the same thing when you came back. Because all you're doing is reminding people that you're the guy who's been there for fucking 15 years, 12 years or whatever it is. And you're going to just be that guy. Be somebody else. Come back with the short hair or yeah. start banging Vicky Guerrero again. You know, do something of substance. A, and he does it. He does it on Twitter all the time, where people respond and and he says sarky things back about how how he like self-deprecating things. He said, like, "Well, stop signing contracts, Dolph. It's really easy to leave if you stop signing new deals." Well, I think when you, he's the only one who he's the only person who could leave WWE, and there'd be no people, nobody out there and he's going to AEW anywhere. People don't want to see him in Derry, so they wouldn't want to see him anywhere else either. Uh, he he would go, because he's, he's friends with Cody, isn't he? So he he would end up... Well, I don't know if he would end up there, because he might just really like the WWE. But I could see him turning up, and just everyone just going, oh. Well, the problem is is that, like, when you live like you're, in, you're a guy in an 80s hair metal band... You got to buy all that like Aquanet and like product for your hair. <laughs> and guys, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but cocaine is expensive. It is. It, it's very expensive. And, you know, when you're living like, you know, like an 80s rock star, you got to like live the gimmick, brother, brother. And, you know. I once, I, said someone, I once said someone described Dolph Ziggler and all they said was Dolph Ziggler is a man who knows exactly what he looks like. Yeah. And, I thought that, and I thought that was the per- I can't remember his, I heard it on a podcast but I thought that was the perfect description of Dolph Ziggler <laughs> he does know exactly what he looks like he's named like a comic book character Nick Namath does he work at the Daily Bugle like yeah what's and the- he had the cheek on the on the after he said oh maybe he said on after the bell podcast of Corey crazy he said like oh i thought maybe i could wrestle under my own name but they gave me the name dolph ziggler which i thought was silly at first and that's exactly what i thought when your name is nick nemeth yeah like, this is an upgrade <laughs> yeah when you when your name is derived from a character from boogie nights it's easily an upgrade <laughs> Because they couldn't call him Dirk Diggler, because then everyone would expect Marky Mark and his seven-foot-long schlong to fucking strut out of the fucking curtain 45 minutes before he fu- before the rest of his body got through. But oh, then you poor, give them... Poor Dolph Ziggler. He was banging Nikki Bella and then John Cena nicked her. Then apparently he was banging Amy Schumer and John Cena oh. nicked her. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it would be one thing if it was a lateral move, but why did you... Ha- Never mind. I'm not going to say horrible things about Amy Schumer. She attacks people on Twitter. Never mind. I'll um, say it. I'll say it. You're not funny. Fuck off. Oh, no. What I was I was going to relate her to some sort of farm animal, but I'm going to move on. Um, so we're moving on to, uh, like I said, the, the steaming coil of, like, dog excrement that was... Uh, I'm just going to go into it. I, I like this show. I thought this show was pretty fun. 
listen, you have free health care over there. There should be no reason Shit. why you should be suffering from uh, a mental disorder uh, at any point. Shows, so you should probably check yourself in. This show is utterly fine. Like, there's n- there wasn't a lot of great. There wasn't a lot of terrible. It was just, it was fine. I don't um, know. I I actually enjoyed the last Crown Jewel show. Like, and I think it was mainly because by that point I had so little expectations for these shows that I really enjoyed it. And weirdly, a few days before this, I thought I'm actually kind of looking forward to this. And then that was that was my big fatal mistake. Yeah, just. Just going open-minded, like, you know it's probably going to kind of suck. Like, you're going to get a lot of, like, TV match stuff. But, this, like, there was nothing wrong with most of... Most, like, the Gauntlet match was pretty cool. The Undertaker showing up is always fun. For some reason, everyone has forgotten that. Like, they're what? just like, oh, The Undertaker's this... Like, people keep bringing up age and going... I saw someone tweet tweet something like they tweeted out everyone's ages now oh the undertaker beat aj stars he's this much older than aj stars and all i could think was guys like roman reigns was 20 something when he beat the undertaker and everyone was fucking furious about it and now suddenly him pinning 40 plus year old aj styles it's an age issue well, it was the way that it happened it was the execution of how they did it the referee even it's specifically the said undertaker yeah, but he's not the Undertaker anymore. He is, he's, he literally he's is. He's just a guy in a hat that's too small for him that takes 14 years to get to the ring, and then he he's fucks up the one move he's responsible taken. for. Yeah, AJ jumped too high. Hey, he didn't even take his jacket off, and good thing it was an outside show because he wouldn't have felt the benefit because he didn't even take his jacket off to pin AJ. It, it's the Undertaker. But, like, the thing is, is the referee legitimately said if if AJ Styles' opponent, whomever is in Saudi Arabia and wants to challenge AJ Styles, apparently, because... They do that all Getting the beat time. up by the OC. No, I get that part. But then he gets to, like, six, and then, gong. Referee's like, what? Seven? What? Huh? Huh? And then 17 minutes later, when he gets to the fucking ring, all of a sudden it's one choke slam. Like... AJ Styles is one of the best wrestlers on the planet. You're going to tell me that in the time it took him to watch The Undertaker coming down, he couldn't have breathed, got back in style, and then been like, all right, so when he gets in here, I'm going to kick him in the old throat until there's no breath left in him, and then I'm going to put my foot on his chest and beat him. He, yeah. I, don't, I don't fucking know, dude. You, it just you, were, you commentate for a company with a tag team called the American Murder Society. Well, yeah, I do, but... They are literally telling you what crime they want to commit. Are you going to arrest them for that? Well, no, No, there's never any visual evidence of them actually murdering people. But, like, I've met Steve off and Aaron Bradley, and that's definitely what's going on with those two. Um, And then all of a sudden, Aaron Bradley goes off to Germany, so I don't know. I think sometimes people think about things too hard. Like, we're going to get AJ Styles for The Undertaker at WrestleMania. I don't think and you can ever accuse anybody on this show of thinking too hard. Not, not on this show, obviously. <laughs> I don't know, but like that was the first thing that popped into my head. Like, legitimately, like when the Undertaker was walking out there, I'm like, why hasn't the bell rung? Why did the referee stop counting? Like, he he made a rule to specifically go against that rule. Yeah. Fuck like, it. Mike, Ro- Mike Roman is making his way to the ring after he'd already been walking to the ring for about an hour. 
Yeah, he's also been buried under dirt like four times in his career. He once burst out of a coffin that was on fire. He shot lightning at people and everything like that. But we're going to question this. But no, but then nobody ever said, hey, Undertaker. He a man in concrete like 15 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm with that. I I can easily talk most of those things away. But when you make a specific rule, like when he went and got buried, Nobody was like, hey, Taker, if you don't get out of this dirt in 10 seconds, you're never allowed to wrestle for WWE ever again. And then two months later when he showed up, they were just like, hey, you don't work here anymore. You don't even go here. Uh, like <laughs> shit like that. Don't go here. You don't even go here. All right. Um, like so if but like they legitimately made a rule and then less than 30 seconds later, they were like. Nah, fuck it, it's The Undertaker, and we're in Saudi Arabia, none of this actually matters, even though it fucking does more and more and more every single time they do a show over there. And then we have fucking, like, eight more years of this shit? String me up and throw me into the fucking sun already. Like, Uh, uh, these fucking shows... fine. The Street Profits v. v Rollins and Murphy was pretty good. That was good, but it it had, like, a very similar ending to the tag match the smackdown tag team match i think a lot of um which i like better by the way i liked the smackdown tag team match a lot that was really yeah that was really good problem with some of these saudi shows is they sometimes they can't they can't decide if they want these shows to matter or not because they have things of actual significance on the show which we will get to in a second of the main thing of significance but then they have things like this where it's like we also, at time of recording, we're getting the Street Profits v. Rollins and Murphy again on Raw. Yeah, that's happening. Like, in, I, yeah, know they, happening. They, I know they cheated, and that like that, so you can make that argument uh, perfectly well. But it's kind of it's still such a mix of actual canon and not canon. Where just just go either go full or all in and tell us all these shows matter, or tell us that they don't matter. It but they're kind of half-assing it at times. If you get what I mean. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, for sure. For sure. But especially when they have, like, major title changes that they have the last two shows. Like, as soon as, like, they had The Fiend win the title of the last show, then, like, it's getting hard to not think that these shows are meta matter. But then, they, again, they don't treat them as if they do. But I would agree with the fact that the tag matches, like, I think both of them were great. And I think it's weird now they've three balls have had one shot and then the next shot they get is being billed as now or never. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Should we get to the main event? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, we we kind of hit on most of the main points. So let the hate flow through you, ladies and gentlemen, as we start to talk about Bill Goldberg versus the fiend Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship from Riyadh in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Um, this match was garbage, dude. Garbage. Uh, the result was garbage. Everything about it was garbage. The build was horrendous, um, especially because of the outcome. Um, and then what it led into was lazy and garbage. So uh, talk me through your feelings on the garbage, boys. Uh, I'm not as annoyed as I was at the time. And I'll explain why. Because a couple of days after this, I went and did my podcast with Paul, who's 
probably the biggest Bray Wyatt fan you could possibly meet. Like ever since like Wyatt's first debut vignette for when he, he was coming to Raw, Paul's been like hooked on Bray Wyatt. Did you and have was, to? Did you have to make sure he wasn't dropping the toaster in the tub with him uh, when no, you showed I mean, up? I mean, he was sending me all sorts of angry emojis when I first told him, but when we actually sat down to talk about it. He was actually a lot more composed than I thought, and we were talking about possibilities for this. And we came up with this idea that possibly, what if like the reason the fiend just gets up and then disappeared at the end is maybe because we talked about when he was going to challenge Rollins or Braun for the title. He said, "In another life, they took something from me." So um, we were thinking maybe the only reason he went for the Universal Title was to take something that meant something to Seth. So then he did, and now that he has lost it, like it wasn't about winning the championship and being the champion, it was just about taking something that Seth cared about, and he just happened to hold on to it, and now that he's lost it, like, yeah, fuck it then, because he didn't want the championship in the first place, and now he's on to the next thing, and I'm actually really looking forward to why V Cena with or without the title, as much as I would have liked to see like what would happen if it was for the title, because... There was a whole rumor that Vince didn't like the fact that Cena was tied with Flair. So you know, I'm actually excited to see where it goes because I like the camera work of the angle on SmackDown. Just the lights go out, he comes back up, he's still doing this look, nobody's there, and then they do this slow move around over the other shoulder, and the Fiend's just standing there. Yeah, the way that that was shot was really, really cool, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's like one little drop in a bucket that's the rest of it is filled with actual cow shit and like that one camera shot is like okay that's cool whatever uh the john cena thing makes sense but um i think that there like there there was room to make it like that i I just everything with the roman and goldberg thing and the cena wyatt thing it just all of it feels sort of lazy but they made this problem for themselves by putting the title on the fiend too early um, they didn't take the time to do the stuff with him that they should have done with him. So by the time he did get the title at some point, it made more sense. Uh, but without it, we wouldn't have gotten the Monday Night Messiah. And I actually sort of love the fact that Seth is a heel again, because that makes the most sense. But um, Nathan, since you loved uh, Super Showdown so fucking much, <laughs> how did you feel about your match of the year candidate, Bill Goldberg versus The Fiend Bray Wyatt? Uh, at first I was stunned to be honest because I was watching it live and I was like hang on what what, what the fuck just happened Uh, and I was genuinely kind of pissed off at first I think that was the general reaction of the entire wrestling planet but then again same as Scott after a while after a little bit I was like okay yes the match wasn't great but it's a fiend match and uh, I love theatrics in wrestling and character stuff, so I've enjoyed the theme matches, but I don't expect them to be five-star classics because none of them have ever been. And I kind of began to think, well, the flip side of this is if The Fiend won, he was going to lose to Roman Reigns because we were all in a... Roman Reigns is going to win the title at WrestleMania. Yeah. Like, there's, 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 there is no... no there's no hope in hell Goldberg is winning that match. And uh You're saying so, that that match is already decided. Like, there's no way that Goldberg is going to walk out of, of WrestleMania as champion? No, I can't. Uh, 
even for a second, I can't believe that. I am being very facetious here, boys. Sorry if that's not entirely clear. But you don't think Roman's going to come out with a cattle prod and take the title? That would be hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd be super into that if he does at some point in a build-up cattle prod comeback. (laughs) I mean, I I did love Scott Hall's tweet retweet a gif of yeah. him <laughs> well about against us and stuff. Like, I want them to do like, remember when Mick Foley gave Dean Ambrose his barbed wire baseball bat and lead up to his match with Brock? I want there to be a segment. <laughs> Did Roman, he? Yeah, oh, I want there I to be a segment. <laughs> he got the chainsaw from from uh, Terry Funk as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, That's he, where did. he got it from. Oh, Jesus. That's cool. So, I've never so seen it. So maybe we just need Roman sitting backstage thinking about his match with Goldberg and then Scott Hall just pop up and went, here, you might need this and just give him the cattle prod. Oh my God, that would be so good. I, like Roman's about to go out for like the main event of SmackDown next week or something. Just as they're like showing him backstage, walking to the back, you just hear, hey, yo. <laughs> and, oh, that, and the camera pans over. And he hands him the cattle prod and he goes, yo, this, uh, this worked before. I'd say you try it again on Bill Goldberg. And he's like... Word and he throws up the shaka bra and like walks away and hey, that's yo. Hey, you yo. didn't get this from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just walks away. He gets back into a limo. He gets back into like a 1985 like Coupe Deville <laughs> and drives away because he's actually a Miami drug lord. <laughs> just in a white suit. Yeah, yeah of course. Of he's course. Full sleeves, sleeves rolled up, blue shirt with the chain. <laughs> Toothpick, toothpick akimbo. Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, I think you're right in a sense, Jimmy, that they book themselves in a circle, in a circle, sorry, in a corner with putting the title on the fiend. Where at some point someone has to beat the fiend. No one's going to be happy. As much as everyone pretends that they would be super happy with if this I'm person sorry. beats the fiend, no I'm one was going to be happy. I'm about Miami Vice, uh, yeah. Scott Hall. It's really like, funny, isn't it? He hands, him, <laughs> he hands him the cattle prod, and then he hops back into the side of the car like like fucking the, the, the guys. Like, like he's fucking Don Johnson, and he just leaps over the fucking door into the, uh, into the fucking thing, and he drives off with, like, three very coked up, like, Miami bitches like in the car. <laughs> Come on, Scott, let's go. All right, ladies. All right, and then hops on in, and you just hear bad and as he like. Anyway, go on. What you were saying? Sorry. What I say is, Jay No one was gonna be. That's the trouble with a character like the Fiend is that someone has to beat him at some point, and there's. How do you book that someone to beat the fiend? Uh, so someone had to beat him at some point. Why not Goldberg? Why not? I think again, it's an age thing where people were so and they're like, "Oh, he's fifty plus." It's like he's still fucking Goldberg. He had a streak that lasted forever until it took a castle prod to stop him at one point. And he's he only had... lost. He's only lost like he surely he's only lost like eight times in his entire fucking career he lost a lot when he was feuding with triple h in 2003 
I mean, like outside of horseshit six man tags on Raw, like he lost more in the one one on one one on one matches. He must have only lost like seven or eight times. Yeah, in time. he, he hasn't he hasn't <laughs> lost very often. But um, I think that the thing is that even if say this exact same match and scenario happened at the next Saudi show, by the time they get to that one, and the fiend has been champion the whole time and stuff, and then like you get like because uh, I've heard it said elsewhere that like not only are you fucking up 11 months because they didn't really spend as much time as 11 months sounds they didn't spend a lot of it because he didn't wrestle until SummerSlam, but he premiered in april so like he hasn't really wrestled all too much and it just feels a little rushed like everything just, about it feels rushed. yeah i think the trouble with, with the fiend the fiend wasn't the fiend has never been portrayed in the ring, he has he's been portrayed to have an incredible pain threshold. He's not he's not been portrayed to be unbeatable. The Miz beat the shit out of him, like and people say like the argument the the fiend or well, it was Bray Wyatt at that point. Bray Wyatt lets people beat him up. He let Seth Rollins beat him up in the Hell in a Cell and hit him with all that shit. But he's not been portrayed to be unbeatable. People have beat the shit out of him. Like Daniel Bryan got a lot of offense in on him and everything like that. I just think it comes down to part of the main reaction, which generally comes from Twitter, is this thing of like as soon as someone loses, they're canceled. Mm-hmm. It almost because people were just going on the thing. Oh, they completely ruined the fiend. The fiend is absolutely dead. He's dead and buried. We don't. And it's like, well, how can no one lose at this point? Like, you can't have anyone lose, otherwise everyone's just going to decide they're doomed. Because mm-hmm. he came out on SmackDown, got a hell of a reaction to start oh, his, still start his shit theme, with John yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think people sometimes just need to have your... The initial reaction was... I had the same reaction. I was like, what the fuck have they done? But then, like, wait and see what happens next sometimes instead of just presuming everyone overreacting. And a lot of it is for retweets and likes and everything a lot of it is the, that's the point that some people have such over-the-top opinions because it gets them it's not really their opinion they get they just get great attention from it but yeah. chill chill a little bit like it's one loss it's to goldberg as much as everyone wants to say oh he's a part-timer he's just, he still is on tv his character is still it's it's fucking goldberg <laughs> like he hasn't lost to um I was about to say Evan Bourne. That was the first person that came to my Jesus. head. He hasn't. Yeah, it was the first person that came to my head. He hasn't lost to Matt Sudell <laughs> uh, or someone like that. He's lost to Bill Goldberg. Chill. Yeah, it's, it's fine. I, I, I'd rather that than Roman Reigns, to be honest, at WrestleMania. Like, if he lost to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, fucking, I think the whole world might melt. I mean, I get what you're what you're saying because, like it or not, he was going to lose to somebody. Who, who does a spear as a finisher? It just happened to be the one I don't think people hate more. <laughs> I, I think they they good the idea of like having Roman have to go to the chamber to win because you looked at the initial like yeah. card for that chamber. There's no way anyone other than Roman's winning, and then they replaced it with the SmackDown tag title one. So I think it's good because oh, even, though you could, even though you said we said that like Miz and Morrison just won the titles like. There's still some more unpredictability there, whereas if you had the Roman one, one that Roman was definitely going to win, and the one Shane is definitely going to win, 
you've just got to completely like useless chamber matches because everybody knows the outcome going into them. Yeah, yeah, Roman. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the whole thing with Roman say I'm next is lazy. On the other hand, they I like the fact the railway book mania matches with only a few words, and like given that Roman is basically the only reason we all knew it was going to be Roman against the Fiend is because after Brian, you all think like who else is there to be in that Universal Title match on SmackDown other than Roman? So when you think about it, like you think why not Roman v Goldberg and plus be like, oh, you just sacrificed everything with Wyatt to build just for for the sake of building up Reigns because he's going to beat Goldberg. Well, well, not that's not really the case. I don't think. Plus, it's it's better than just putting five random guys up here who just again to lose the Roman because we already had that and that was six of them back in the twenty eighteen chamber. I like yeah, the I like the way that sorry, Jerry, I like the way that they're differing the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship because ever since The Fiend took it the whole time he's been accepting challenges instead of having people necessarily earn them it's just been who's who's popped up next so Daniel Bryan challenging The Fiend you had uh, Goldberg challenging The Fiend and it's just a champion accepting whereas over on Raw it's been people earning their chances so I think that's it's a very subtle thing, but without the general managers, it's kind of separated the two tie- the two shows a little bit where you just have a champion like Goldberg or The Fiend who's accepting people that turn up and say, hey, bro, I want a title match. And mm-hmm. then it's kind of up to them whether they accept it. So it's quite a... It kind of differentiates the titles and the shows without general managers a, a little bit. So, But I like the way i prefer that to having roman reigns go through another chamber match because we saw that with as you said was it the 2018 one that roman reigns won yeah the, the 2019 one or no, it was the 2018 one that he did to beat to get to lesnar and oh, then he beat Braun in the, him and Braun in the final two mm-hmm. and then he lost to brock and then lost him again in saudi and then they kept it going until the summer slam that year yeah, and everyone was still super mad because <laughs> they were trying to build it. Because WWE don't build new stars, but we hate I mean, the ones that they try to build. I mean, also the execution. It's, it, that's always what it is. Sorry, Scott, but it's the problem. The problem that it is is that it's not what they're doing; it's how they're doing it. They're so they're so about like not let's let's not focus on what's going to happen in five or six months. They're focusing on, hey, we got a show in Tacoma next week and we got to do something to sell those tickets because like nobody's going to want to show up for this thing. It's like the exact opposite of what AEW is doing, where like AEW is taking and I'm not trying to suck the dick of AEW as much like don't don't get it twisted. I just happen to really be loving AEW at the moment and the way that they're doing certain things now. Um, But like. This WWE show is sponsored seems... by AEW Blood and Guts. <laughs> well, I, fuck, I'm going to that fucking show, dude. I paid a hundred. I paid like, I got like tickets like right off. The floor. He got his tickets comped. <laughs> fuck that! No, I, I'd pay double what I paid for for these tickets for that show, especially after they announced Blood and Guts. Um, but yeah, I, I think with WWE, it's like they they don't try things 
for as long as they should try them. Like they, they don't like try and see them through. They, they, they'll listen to the fans every once in a while and then they'll do something for like a week and then it maybe doesn't deliver to a certain level. And then like, ah, fuck it. But with AEW, they gave, look, they even gave the nightmare, the nightmare collective, like five weeks or something. And then they were like, all right, this isn't fucking working. Let's cut it. But they don't even do that in WWE anymore. I think like, that I think they do. I think that's one of the things that I think they they do they keep persisting. And we've heard um, if you listen to JR's podcast, he often talks about how um, stubborn Vince McMahon is, and he'll keep trying something. And they did do that with Roman Reigns for far too long uh, years ago when it was at the height of everyone being like, "Oh, they're shoving Roman." They stuck with Roman Reigns and played it out as best they could and i think i think aew yeah they kept trying the nightmare collective and it was it was horrible it was Uh, bad the whole time bad the entire time they also did the same thing where they persisted with it until they it got to a point where they were like nope we have bulls this up apparently brandy asked to be removed she was like i this isn't working so let's stop doing it and tony and tony was like yeah it's not working fine go yeah so I think WWE, I think they, I think they pretty much always, unless it's really, really bad reaction, they generally always stick to what they're trying to do, and then mm-hmm. they get shit for it. But then if they also, sometimes if they also give up on things, they also get shit for it. And I think it's the problem with having so much content, mm-hmm. and also yeah. so many moany people. They have too many. They have too many people. That's the problem. Is they they have yeah. so many people, but they also have a shitload of like hours to fill. But then it's like they don't seem to have enough time for everybody because every time you turn around, it's like, oh fuck, they got this guy and fucking Killer Cross just came in, and then they, they got this guy and this guy. We're also, and this going, guy. We're also going into it completely off topic. We're also well, not off topic, but kind of related. To this. We're also living in a time where everyone wants to know everything like before we started this show and i was waiting for you guys i was flicking through twitter and there were people like rumors like oh this is when edge is next rumored to be on the show it's like why do i i don't want to know this but people obviously do want to know this before it happens so Mm -hmm. it kind of we also live in a time where everyone wants to know everything before it happens Here's my snarky bitch moment of the podcast. Um, if they spent a little more time burying like rumors and stories rather than burying talent, that's supposed but to it's be. Also, but it's always it's it's the same in all entertainment. Like everyone get you see it in films and movies and TV. Everyone, all the scripts and everything like that. You can find scripts for movies that haven't come out if you search for long enough. It's yeah, the same. I mean, the, it's the same across the board. People want information for every yeah. form of entertainment. Every <laughs> sport you see in football all the time. There's goss. Uh, people make a living off of in in the UK and in Europe. People make a living off of spreading off of writing about football or soccer. If you're in America, gossip. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you know, it's sticking with things like uh, being stubborn. The thing is, like they've always said, like people when they stuck with Roman or like, seen it before that. They stick with stuff if it makes them a lot of money. Uh, you talk about entertainment, you're like, how many fucking shit Fast and Furious movies have we had to sit through? But yeah. They, people keep going to see them, and they make a lot of money. And I thought they're going to see the new one because it's got Cena in it. 
and then I watched the trailer for it, and oh my god, can I get any more insane? They're going to go to space in the next one. They're going to do a tenth one, and they're going to end up going to space somehow. I can't wait for them to go to space. That's going to be incredible. Do like Jason uh, X. But yeah, you, the, to, to your point, you just mentioned John Cena. John Cena and Goldberg are on SmackDown this past, past week. The ratings went up. Mm-hmm. Well, of course they were going to push the ratings up. That's like that's the exact reason why well, I believe that Goldberg won the title before WrestleMania is because they're looking to shop around. Uh, and I guess it's like another news story, I guess, or like a rumor story. But uh, that they're attempting to shop around at least WrestleMania, if not all of the um, the the pay-per-views, yeah. to outside streaming networks, outside cable providers and stuff like that. Because no, no doubt they've seen that AEW is is making an, an impressive number of buys because the only way that you can see these shows, legally anyway, is if you spend 50 fucking dollars and watch a three and a half hour show. And it's not that AEW Revolution was a bad show because it wasn't. Um, it's just that when we live in an era of you get literally everything this company makes for $10 a month and then another company pops up and it's like, Hey, every four months, we're going to ask you for 50 bucks. If you want to keep watching this shit, um, then it's, it's, that's going to throw people's opinion certain ways. It's, it's just, it's the circle of entertainment. That they followed the streaming service platform of a Netflix or and Amazon it Prime. Moves a song. Yeah, Sorry, I, I heard I heard but Scott then, do the circle life thing. So, but then um, but then Fight TV came along and it's a streaming service, but it sells things like pay per views. But then also WWE's content, as much as everyone wants to slag it off, quality wise, it's worth a bucket load of money. Because it does bring in as much as everyone wants to say, oh, 10 years ago, they were getting 5 million viewers. Well, in this day and age, they get two and a half, between what, 2.1, 2.5 million every week. And in TV terms, that's worth as much as anything else is doing, really. And uh, right. sorry, go on. This is one of the things that I hate. Like, oh, back in the day, they had this many viewers watching Rally. Yeah, because back then, if you didn't watch it when it was on, you didn't watch it at all. Yeah, whereas, we didn't have we didn't have Twitter, you fucking idiots. I know. Whereas <laughs> here, I can watch like NXT. Oh, NXT only got this many viewers. That's because I can't be staying up to whenever it's on. I can watch it on the network the next day or a bunch of other streaming services. Like I can watch it uh, or EW on. Doesn't matter how much they get on the night. It's about how many people will watch it afterwards. The numbers aren't determine of who's watching it at the time as they used to be back then it's not even 100%. the case of, of when it's convenient like we didn't have as much like other forms of entertainment as we do now because there's way more options now than there ever has been before like you've been talking about streaming services and shit like that people don't watch stuff because it's on now more from not people watch stuff when it's convenient to them yeah that is one incredible thing that people are oh they're not getting as live they're not getting there's many live viewers whilst they watch that, whilst people then talk about the Netflix show they're watching on demand. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're also not watching that Netflix show live because it's never live. <laughs> mm-hmm. What, why, why, ah, oh, people just, we're really laying into fans this evening. Yeah, well, I mean, because money. like, go ahead, Scott, go ahead. We talk about money, people. We are here on a podcast that's named Rogue Opinions yeah. and we're talking about how people are moaning. Yeah, because it, it is that incredible. It's 
just such an incredible thing to read on Twitter. Like I was having fun the day after on the Rogue Opinions account, just being shitty to people who were having really weird opinions. Because I was just again, I think I've already mentioned it once a while ago. That person who was like, "Oh, the Undertaker's this old and he beat uh, AJ Styles. Brock Lesnar's this old and he beat Ricochet, who's this age." And I was just thinking, like, yeah, but when they've had young people win big matches, everyone was fucking furious about it. Remember, do you guys remember when Seth Rollins went over Brock Lesnar twice last year? And everyone was fucking livid with him by the end of the year. Because <laughs> he was a cunt on Twitter. And, like, yeah. it really ruined yeah, but his everyone public Everyone else is a cunt on Twitter. <laughs> but see, like, the thing with the Ricochet thing is, is that, like, I didn't expect him to win at all. But you got to give him fucking something. Because oh, now, nice. what is he going to do at WrestleMania? He's going to be in the uh, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and he's going to get kicked over the top rope by the guy from fucking SNL. Yeah, but like, you know, who the fuck the, is he anymore? The point, that's the, that's, the, that's the exact thing that I took issue with. People going, yeah, Ricochet's dead. And I was like, he lost to Brock Lesnar. It's not about losing <laughs> to Brock Lesnar, though. It is about losing It's to Brock not the way he lost, he lost to him. It's the way that he got killed by Brock Lesnar. He'll probably probably win win a match on Raw tonight. Oh, what? Against against local competitor C? Yeah, why not? Why not? (laughs) I I have to agree with Jimmy on this one because I I get, like, as I said, I'm not as annoyed about the Fiend losing as I was at the time. Whereas the thing with Ricochet is, like, again, you knew he wasn't going to win. But, like, it's, it's a, it was a match when a minute 30. His main bit of offense was running at Brock, only to get swatted away. And, like, the fact that Rey Mysterio, who also knew he wasn't going to win, got more offense in than he at least got something. He, he had the hot spots with Dominic doing the double six one nine, whereas Ricochet got nothing. He just ran at him and then got killed. But that's, that's multiple time world champion Rey Mysterio. Like, I, I, un, I understand people's frustration because everyone loves... And I, I really like Ricochet as well. But they it's, it's very... My main point is, it's very easy to rehabilitate Ricochet now. You just have him win a load of matches. And yeah, I know you say you Andre the Giant Battle Royal and it is a throwaway thing. You have him win that and then just keep... I'm not saying they're going to do this, but if you just have him win loads of matches, maybe win that Battle Royal at WrestleMania and then like pick up which uh the u.s titles on raw isn't it jesus christ how am i meant to remember all this and then win the u.s title or something and he's gonna be fine it's brock lesnar like, i guess he, he didn't lose because you the point that they're building to right now, they're building to drew and brock which is hope which is probably going to be in the main event at wrestlemania hopefully going to be in the main event at wrestlemania like and, probably, yeah. and the, they're gonna build up drew and drew's gonna kick his head off Hopefully, fingers crossed. And yeah, then, but at uh, the service, at the service of making that pop even better, they sacrificed a guy who is young enough, talented enough, and like just I, I I'm I'm not saying give Ricochet the fucking world title or anything. I'm just saying just give him give him something. You know, have him pop my, off the ropes, do a flipping yeah. dervish, and put Brock Lesnar on his back one time. Thirty seconds of offense. My question to you is, when Drew wins at WrestleMania, who the fuck will ever mention Ricochet putting Brock Lesnar on his back once in Saudi Arabia? 
Who gives a shit? No one's going to fucking remember this show in six weeks' time. No one will ever mention this show again apart from... But I'm mad now, Nathan. Who cares? That's that's what this comes down to. Who gives a fuck? No one would ever mention Ricochet getting 90 seconds of offense on Brock Lesnar. So why is everyone so upset about it? Who gives a fuck? I don't know. In six weeks' time, who would care? I just don't think it's a good look. I just who? don't think it's a who good cares? look. Who cares? For for the well being of the company in five to ten years, like you're gonna still have guys like Ricochet. No one's Rock gonna mention gonna... this. It's five five days. Never mind five years. I don't know. I listen. I still remember you know stuff from like 2012 that now like doesn't make sense today and shit. That like I'm not pulling the right examples because like I don't remember exactly what i'm talking exactly, about exactly you don't remember moment, that's what like, i said the thing is the thing is is that we live in a world where like some of this stuff does get remembered like there are people who boo roman reigns to this day that segment on smackdown got horrendously booed yeah. like night nobody was cheering for roman reigns at all they were like this this is how you're going to fucking do this? Like, th- again, we're going to have to watch Roman Reigns get anointed with the fucking the fucking fireworks display and him holding a title above his head or beating, a, like, a legend or something. And I'm not saying that Bray should have beat uh, Goldberg or that Ricochet should have beaten uh, Brock. It's the way that they went down that is the major problem, and they have yeah. to fucking take their heads out of their asses and at least give the guys who are going to be there eight days after WrestleMania or you know four weeks after WrestleMania. You got to give them something because it's the same way that I look at Tommaso Tommaso Champa versus uh, Austin Theory. I went into that match on NXT going like, well, I just watched Tommaso Champa go 45 minutes with the NXT world champion that the only way he was able to beat him was off the top of a cage with his finisher through a table after over an hour of a wrestling match or 45 minutes or whatever it was. So how am I expected to believe that a 10 minute match on television would do anything to this guy who's obviously made of adamantium? So when you watch Ricochet get destroyed in 90 seconds by Brock Lesnar, you're like, Oh, so even if he's in there against somebody that I want to see, like an Andrade or an Aleister Black or whatever for a mid-card title, you're like, oh, well, this guy, all he has to do is get hit one time with something, and he's done. Like, the the, the Fiend can be rehabilitated. No, I don't see that in a month right now I'm going to be eating all the crow in the world and saying that the feud with John Cena was good for him because it put him back on the right track. Even giving him the title was a mistake. But the, the ricochet thing actually gets under my skin a little bit more because it's like they never fully got behind him. Like they gave him the U.S. title and then made that a joke with him, with the whole AJ Styles thing. He had a belter of a match with Samoa Joe. I think it was at Stomping Grounds. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, but that match was fucking incredible. I lo- It was that the match of that show. And that show was even pretty good. But like when I see Ricochet versus anybody over the next couple of months i'm gonna be like i don't know homeboy got knocked out in 90 seconds all you got to do if you're alistair black is kick him in the face and put him down because all the goodwill that ricochet had before that is now driven into the dirt because he couldn't even get half a move it it's the same way with kofi 
I don't know. I'm all over the place, but the fact of the matter remains that like they could have just given him something, just something. I mean, I've been wondering something for like a week or so, or at least since SmackDown. I've, my concept of time is all off. Like you talked about earlier on, which feels like a millennia ago, because we've been ranting about announcing matches, given the fact that we don't have a lot, we don't have any like authority figures, like. How weird was it the way they announced that body, uh, the way they announced that Elimination Chamber for the SmackDown tag titles where a referee comes to the ring, whispers in Craig Callan's ear, and then they announce the match? Like, how did the referee know? Who told him? Like, like, like it's weird the way they announced the match yeah. now because they don't, the whole authority figure is kind of outdated now, like, other than like the way William Regal and that does it. But, like, on Run SmackDown, we're just tired of having authority figures because it's usually the same old stuff. But when it comes to just announcing matches, sometimes it can help because otherwise you just get... Otherwise, unless you watch it on Twitter or you just show, what, turn on the show and, like, oh, by the way, this is happening because we said so. I think you are right. It is a bit outdated just having the GMs and everything like that. And it's kind of nice to not have to worry about a heel or a face manager who's not going to be involved but then i think that's probably just something that you just gotta if we're not going to have them that's something you just got to accept is going to happen i like the way they use regal in nxt i think that's brilliant when they come back and you hear nigel mcginnis or beth or marrow uh be like oh and william regal during the break has said this match is gonna happen because it kind of, it, it almost, for some, reason, it, for some reason, it always gives me a little bit of pop. I'm like, yeah, Regal's really fucking good at his job. When well, yeah, because, like, the thing is, is that, like, <laughs> since, especially since USA, Regal's been on screen, what, six times? And only then is he like, enough, enough, war games! And He's then basically never on screen. Like, he was on screen on Wednesday. He was on screen to announce the women's ladder match that we're getting at TakeOver Tampa, which I'd don't know who obviously we don't know who's in it at time of recording uh, but that's going to be potentially a show stealer for definite i and, think uh, I, nxt looks super strong this week and if any week that they were going to if there if there was any week that they're going to beat aew in the ratings i think oh, this would I be it if they have two just, cage matches it's a two hundred thousand people make like swap though i don't think that's going to happen but uh uh I don't really. It's kind of. Um, I don't really get lost in the ratings thing, like with when it comes to AW and XT. But it always seems like such small numbers they're arguing over. Well, yeah, Eric Bischoff said that thing once where it was like, oh, it's if, like, if we yeah. were getting the numbers back on the Nitro days that they're getting now, we would have been canceled long before we ever got a chance to oh, be no, there for um, eighty-three weeks. He said that about. He also said about TNA as well. He said when he was in charge of TNA, if we were getting the numbers that these guys were getting, we would be embarrassed. And at first I was like, he's such a cunt. And then I actually looked at it. I was like, oh, shit, he's right. <laughs> yeah, you only have about they, 2 they million were, people shared. They were, over like, um, they were getting over a million like every week. And I was like, oh, okay, he's right. But uh, TV's changed, obviously. So it's... Because apparently AEW especially does super well in like the replays and stuff mm-hmm. so yeah they do super TV. well they were expecting through the terms of their first contract like the according to like 
people who've heard from people who've heard from people who rob people that TNT uh, that TNT was like looking for uh, like 500,000 per episode and they're almost <laughs> doubling that that's so it sounds so bad like, it does, it I, don't, does. I, don't know, I don't know anything about the TV industry so don't don't if you're going to give me shit it's Ben underscore E-B-E-R-T <laughs> nicely <laughs> <laughs> it's what we were saying earlier going with your expectations set very low and you'll be pleasantly surprised that's clearly what TNT were doing yeah <laughs> speaking of expectations being low what the fuck what the fuck's up with Cody's tattoo Jeez. Oh, right. talk about becoming a mark I, okay, hold on I was watching this show with a couple of my friends um, as it was happening and when he came out with it on I had an argument with one of my friends where I literally said these words. No, he obviously just got it put on. It's like a temporary thing. He's the EVP of a company. There's no no fucking way. He's an actor from time to time. There's no reason for him to get a fucking, first of all, neck tattoos are, and I'm sorry, I know it's 2020, but I'm going to say it anyway. They're fucking retarded. Okay. (laughs) There is no reason to put something (laughs) permanently. That exact same tattoo could have gone on his shoulder and it would have looked 10 times better. He looks like, and I'm going to steal a phrase from, you know, your side of the world, guys. He looks like a fucking numpty. With this, <laughs> why would you put a bright, colorful American flag thing on your throat? I get the dream <laughs> tattoo over his heart. That's heartwarming. That's fantastic. I love that forever and always. The dream tattoo is cool. But this American nightmare tattoo on his neck, Cody, I love you, dude. And I did shoot my shot and tweet AEW and Cody and the Bucks and say that, like, I'll be in the building March 25th if you need any help. I'm still, like, really just, that would be cool if I got, like, a DM, like, hey, stop tweeting at us. You Um, fucking muck. You fucking uh, But, like, hey, you gotta shoot your shot sometimes. Who knows? Um, I do host a very predominant, you know, between 1,000 people watch it every week YouTube show. I don't know if I ever bring that up or not. Um, but, but they, like, the, ta- the tattoo is ill-placed. Like, how can... I know Brandy uh, apparently said that she doesn't like where it is and stuff. And, like, it's like, you know that this fight had to go down between them where it was like nah. you're gonna get this on your neck what is he wrong? got it he got it before he told her there's oh, no he's... way there's no way you get that past your wife that q a that they did uh at c2e2 where he came out wearing a scarf and not for a second did i think i thought he was just pulling something funny like oh he's, he's wearing a young buck scarf funny funny these guys are funny um or whatever but then he comes out with the tattoo and i was like oh he wore that scarf for like days so no one would see the fucking horrendous shield tattoo he has on his fucking neck like uh, uh, you can tell even fucking uh tony khan hates it with the answer he gave during the press scrum where he was like i told him like it may not work if you want to do movies and stuff but like if you want to be a badass wrestler guy a, a neck tattoo does not make you a badass wrestler guy a tattoo helps make you more badass but don't put it on your fucking neck. What are you in fucking My Chemical Romance or <laughs> Blood on the Dance Floor or whatever the fuck that band's name is? Like, you're 34 years old, dude. 
You're going to have to your children. You're so mad about this. It's so it's such a stupid idea. I literally told a friend that I've been friends with since kindergarten. Don't be stupid. There's no way that he put this thing on his neck. And then before the show was over, there was a YouTube page created. Your daily reminder that Cody Rhodes actually got this stupid tattoo on his neck. And I fucking... God damn it, dude. What a dumb idea. God damn it. <laughs> so not a fan? Yeah. What do you, what do you really think there? I, I like it. I think it's I think it's an interesting <laughs> tattoo is art. Listen, I'm the last person in the world to be making fun of people's tattoos. I have a lost tattoo on my forearm. So like in hot weather, it's like, oh, that guy's a piece of garbage. Oh, Look at him. we've never had... Scott, have you seen Lost? No. Can you can you say the words in the most Scottish accent that you can? See you in another life, brother. <gasps> yes, do it. Oh god! Um, uh, sorry, what's the, what's the one? See you... you in another life, brother. I'll end up. I'll probably end up changing you to ye. Because that's fine. That's no, that's way. fine because I'm sure that's I'm fine. sure Henry and Cusick did the same thing. See you in another life, brother. And lastly, but not leastly, um, NXT. Uh, so uh, NXT Takeover Portland was fantastic uh and then the in my opinion the subsequent weeks following nxt i think it's been two weeks since uh portland uh the show has been good but not great um so uh i think that plays into AEW a little bit and uh the fact that the network is pulling viewers and stuff so I wanted to get both of your guys' thoughts, and we're going to move through some of the events that have been going on uh, the last couple of weeks on NXT to round out the podcast for the day. So uh, let's start with uh, Velveteen Dream and Roderick Strong. Um, Velveteen Dream has been placed kind of weirdly, sort of like, I can bang your wife better than you can bang your wife, and then I'm going to be like your son's new daddy because you broke my back kind of thing. And it's it's been coming off a little weird to some people that's been chatter on the internet lately so i'm gonna start with nathan nathan uh talk about uh the roderick strong and uh velveteen dream sort of rivalry and how that's been going over the last couple of weeks since nxt portland i think you're right it's not been going over super well with people who uh i'm just gonna say get offended quite easily where it has been velveteen kind of being like you broke my back you took uh, my ability to wrestle from me, so I'm gonna try and take your wife from you. Weirdly, he's also he's not actually tried to take his wife from him. It's just been a way of messing with Roderick Strong in a very Rick Rude way. Like we've not seen a segment where Velveteen Dream has interacted with Marina Shafir or um, or his kid. And that name, does stand uh, out, right? Where like yeah, Marina so not, has not been involved at all, other not, than actually try to do it it's not like the samoa joe aj styles rivalry from a couple years ago where joe would actually turn up at aj styles house house uh, dream has done none of that he's just said it and sprayed it on his tights so i think people are getting a wee bit over the top sensitive about it probably the same reaction roderick strong's character is having um, where they're like oh why are they doing this this is such this is not a face thing to do you're like well he's done nothing but speak and spray his tights 
and that was a very that was a Rick Rude move back in the day. So, and I think yeah. I think I've enjoyed it. I'm really glad the dream's back. I think the reveal of the dates flashing on the screen, the date of his return in a weird way, and uh, everything like that. My little brother Harry thought at he um, when I was talking to him because he watches NXT every week as well. Uh, we were texting. He was convinced it meant Alistair Black was coming back to NXT with the way that they set it up looking all spooky. But then he was super happy that it actually was the dream coming back. The way that they did it was super cool. Like it would just show up during like the opening promo. And then I don't know if anybody caught this, but like as they were showing the graphic for the next match that was going to come up, like on the screen outside of Full Sail, it like flashed for like a second on that screen yeah. as well. And then, like, during the Cruiserweight match during that week, it also popped up in, like, the very left-hand corner of the screen for, like, even a split second. And I think the way that they did that was really cool. And I think that with the promo that he cut on the most recent episode of NXT, where he he was more talking about how, like, you broke my back, so now I'm going to break your back or your arm in this cage match. I think that revived it a little bit. I think they heard the criticisms of like a, a baby face sort of getting a little rapey with his opponent was a little weird. Well, I, I, again, so Scott, before we throw it over to you again, he's not actually done anything to Marina Shafir. And I don't know whether that's just me being a bit more hardened than a lot of people seem to be these days, but he hasn't spoken to her on the show. So I don't, if he had, I would have way more of a problem with it. If he went like, do you guys remember, was it 2005 or six, the Kurt Angle Booker T rivalry? Mm. Where Kurt Angle actually pushed Charmel onto the sofa or the couch at one point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Like, Kurt Angle was positioned as the heel at that point. That I would have had a problem. I don't think I watched it live at the time because um, we didn't have or we didn't have Sky back then so i didn't see it at the time but i would have had way more of a problem with that like 100 percent, i'd be on everyone's side but the fact we've not seen the dream or velveteen dream talk to marina shafir in any way i don't have as much of a problem with it i just see it as the dream doing his normal mind game stuff because the dream is he's mostly mind games he's mind games as much as he is a wrestler so i don't have any kind of issue in that sense of it but I do under I do kind of understand where people are coming from as well. Do you think that uh, well get William Regal at all just coming out and just going like this is enough this is enough the only way to settle this is mind games mind games yeah. <laughs> is that like uh do you, have you guys ever seen that sport where it's boxing chess and it's like what? one round have you never seen that it's one round of boxing and then they play chess for three minutes. And Shut if you no, I'm not. This is, this is an actual sport. And then um, if you end whichever one, you either knock out your opponent and win the whole thing, or you win the chess match and you win the whole thing. This is a real sport, Jimmy. That seems like the sport equivalent of this thing I saw on Facebook the other day. That they they're doing this show where comedians come out and they tell a story, but then they go away and they get either drunk or stoned or both, and then have to come back out and retell the story. That's Jesus, that, sounds, that sounds like one of these podcasts, only without right, right. the drink yeah, or the exactly. drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Scott, um, your what, what what's your opinion on the uh, the whole Velveteen Dream and Roderick Strong little interaction that they've had the last couple of weeks? See, I'm a, 
I don't think it's as weird as some people say it is because, like, for a lot of the points you guys brought up, because this is a lot of what Dream would do before. Like, he did it with Alistair Black with the whole things on his tights. It's been part of his gimmick, and Dream, I think some people are thinking he's, he's probably been built to fight Cole at Tampa, so they need to make him the face of this feud, but Dream's never been a clear-cut face. Like, he's been current, arrogant, dickish promos even when he was like North American champion, but was still getting the biggest face reactions. So it's not entirely outside of like what he would do. And I think it's the fact that he is trying to get revenge on the spirit era and Roderick Strong has been a dick to him. But also I think as soon as you mention somebody's family and that's usually been a heel tactic, I can see what you're there. Sean about like he says he wants to be his he's saying his kids a better dad to his kid than he can. Like well unless they're doing a fucking custody of whatever his kid's name ladder match at the next takeover, then I don't see the problem here because they haven't actually involved his wife or his kid in the angle. That's a fair point. Yeah, it's I, I definitely agree with the both of you that like it it's weird a little bit for the way that he's doing it, but it is definitely in line with the character. Um so uh, uh, another big thing that uh that happened over the last couple of weeks is the Dominic Dijakovic and uh, Keith Lee continuance, the fight forever uh, saga between the two of them. We had Cameron Grimes get a big victory over Dominic Dijakovic, uh, Dijakovic, I think, uh, on the most recent episode of uh, NXT. And I think that was uh, probably the most interesting thing that's come out of this since their takeover match was that uh, Damian Priest just came out and like attacked uh, Dijakovic with the uh, with the asp or the uh, the nightstick or whatever that the collapsible nightstick that he had. Um, so it looks like we're maybe going to get a uh, priest versus uh Dijakovic match and maybe next week. Uh, what do you guys think of the way that they've been sort of positioning these two as like the guys who are going to be the next like Gargano Champa? Like they're just always going to be fighting with one another. And we'll get into Gargano Champa after this. I, I like it because, well, I like it because I hope, I do really hope the next match they have is. Like some big kind of street fight style match, and I do hope at the end of it for a good while, because as fun as it is, even like even some of the, the biggest fans of this year are probably gonna start get sick of it very soon. Because I was really hoping that Keely would move on to somebody else. Because before Balor had the a thing, I think we might talk about that he had on a recent NXT. I think there were rumors that Balor was gonna challenge Keith Lee, which I think would have been an interesting match because we've seen them in that triple threat with Champa. But it seems like. Uh, Balor may actually be fighting Walter. So I was, I was kind of looking forward to seeing Keith Lee with one of some new challenges. Because like, I want to see what he can do with a similar size guys. Like if you put him in the ring with like Bronson Reed for the title, like how interesting that would be, rather than just doing uh, Dijakovic really. Because as much as they build out some good stuff at Portland, they are repeating, a, they do rely on a lot of similar looking spots. Yeah, absolutely. And to build on what you were saying, like I, I was watching that promo that uh, Finn Balor cut where he was talking about how he makes brands and he named all the titles that he won. The next, and at least in my head while I was watching it, I immediately assumed that he would say, but the one thing I haven't done is, you know, win the North American title. Instead, they went with the UK championship. Uh, and whether that happens WrestleMania weekend or it happens at uh, the weirdly named NXT UK TakeOver Dublin, um, because the Dublin isn't 
in the UK, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like, so that, that it's I that's a whole nother thing. But I figured that yeah. that was going to be like the the thing that he was going to say is like, well, North American Championship, I'm going to make that title mean something. Um, but yeah, Nathan, what are, what what's your opinion on the uh, Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic thing? Yeah, I uh, it, I hate to say it, but I kind of need to agree with Scott. And um, <laughs> I really I really like uh, both guys. I love what they do. I love what they bring, but they probably need something more to like a gimmick or something like that to get the match across. I don't know what gimmick what that they would need kind of to get them through because a street fight that would be cool but they've done so many spots outside of the ring and things like that uh, and they've got two cage matches coming up literally in two days time at time of recording so i don't know what they're going to kind of do to make the match different if that is where they're going but i kind of hope that they're going in the direction of Dijakovic slowly turning heel and Damian Priest uh, getting the match with Keith Lee maybe on TV or maybe uh, at at the next takeover or something like that. Um, so I don't really yeah, know yeah. where they go at this point. Or maybe Cam- Cameron Grimes uh, gets the opportunity. Or maybe they go Damian Priest, Cameron Grimes and Keith Lee or they bring Dijakovic into and make it a four-way why not we don't get a lot of fatal four-ways these days before before uh i was gonna say before we continue on with that uh we just actually have to say goodbye to scott uh bye scott bye scott uh thanks for joining us uh remember to follow him on twitter uh and follow his other podcast scott and uh, scott and paul's rambling podcast uh and yeah uh they have a really cool thing where they're doing um tna uh, yeah, they did a lot, lot of TNA fullback. Go to Scott McLeod 1996, I believe, uh, is Scott's at, and you'll be able to find Scott and Paul's rambling podcast. But I'll make sure to retweet the latest post when this goes up. So uh, go check those SP guys up. Rambling. SP rambling, perfect. So, but yeah, maybe I think Cameron Grimes is going to have to be involved. I re- I don't know what. Do you like Cameron Grimes? I really like him. I yeah, I'm liking him more and more actually as uh as i'm watching because he had that incredible match with Kushida, that was really fucking fun um that and even was... in the matches he loses like they're fantastic he's really really good and he's a bit of a throwback he's different in the fact that he is a throwback he looks like a throwback almost but the stuff he does in the ring uh is really really good he's super athletic i like him i think they're heading in a direction I think they're going to have to head in the direction of a fatal four-way. That would be interesting. Yeah, I I, I would think that uh, they're probably going to... Yeah, I, I guess that's the only thing that really makes sense is that you'd get uh, Damien Priest and Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee and uh, Cameron Grimes all yeah. in a fatal four-way for the North American title. The funnest thing I'll say, I can see Dominic Dijakovic out of those four... I can see him main eventing a WrestleMania. I think he is the size. His athletic ability is ridiculous for the fact that he is a he's a genuine what six foot six. He's an actual his actual height probably what six 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 seven something like that. He's crazy huge. 
the things he can do are insane. He could, I can see him going all the way to a main event. And I, I Keith Lee as well, definitely. I think Damian Keith Priest Lee more than Damian Dominic Dijakovic. I think Keith Lee's, like outside of the fact he's a phenomenal wrestler, his look is incredible. It's different. Outside of that, Keith Lee's biggest strength, I think, is the connection with the crowd. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of that. It's the he he just has something where when he comes out even he you want to watch him and he's got that different style where he goes a little bit slower he does a lot of the poses he's he he's incredible but i think dominic dijakovic and keith lee at wrestlemania in like two or three years i can picture that i can picture this being a fight forever yeah i could see that maybe they they just sort of stick with it and they because like it seems to have gotten over with people really well they they've wrestled each other i think four four times maybe five times um uh, and five because it was i think it was two two and one i think it was oh, it two, so, one and one so was the so was the uh i think then the takeover match had to be number six it must have been because they were even going into the takeover match i and think then, that was, and one of was them it, one one of them definitely one, one was a dq yeah and then yeah they I can't remember now to me. I don't want to try and guess, but they were even going into takeover and that was the point of it. And it was a phenomenal match at takeover. It was one of the best openers I've seen. Uh, I don't know. This might be hyperbole, but I'm thinking back to it. It's been quite a while. It was possibly the best, the best opening pay-per-view match I've watched since angle Mysterio at summer Samo two. Wow. Okay. I really, really, really enjoyed that match. I thought Dijakovic was going to win. I thought the ending was super clever with the way that it was just Dijakovic back giving out. Yeah, I think uh, my thing about the opener was that uh, for the first couple of minutes, it seemed like it wasn't really catching on, and it was sort of, it was sort of taking its time. But then by the end, I was like, okay, this is phenomenal. Like these two guys are going out there. But uh, I think it was. I, forgive me, my short-term memory is incredibly damaged over the years. But one of the two, <laughs> one of the two of you did bring up that they uh, rely on spots. Uh, this, yeah, that like was similar. Scott. Thank you. Okay, I was going towards Scott, but my brain is not. My brain is not as it used to be. But um, too many steel chairs to the head, brother, brother. That's actually not too far from the truth. Um, I have taken a lot of shots to the head uh, over the years, um, which, if you've ever heard this podcast, is evident. Um, so it's because when he says something wrong after we stop recording, I beat the shit out of him. He does. He, he does. flies all the way over here and kicks yeah. me in the face until I forget in, what I've said. In 18 hours time, he's going to be in a lot of pain. Oh, I'm going to be regretting <laughs> it tomorrow morning. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, so I think with, um, Dominic Dijakovic and, uh, I don't know why I do the CH, uh, Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee. Uh, I think that it'll be important for them to maybe take a little time off like they did with the uh, Gargano Champa thing, which I am liking a lot more than I thought I was going to um, because I, I loved all three of those matches. Don't get me wrong, but then they were back together on the main roster and then they were back together uh, for that match in uh, uh, worlds collide. I think it was at yeah. Worlds collide with uh, yeah, Mustache mountain. And then we uh, then like now we've seen uh, the dynamic is a little different. So I think that helps. Uh, but it's it's hard to 
for me, it's hard to like see a lot of the Tommaso Ciampa stuff, knowing that he's coming off as such a traumatic injury, and that he even said that maybe even with the NXT schedule, he's got like four or five years left. So like he's gonna stick with NXT, and that's what he's gonna do. And this is what we're seeing is as good as it's going to get for Tommaso Ciampa. And the fact that they're going back to the well already is. It's cool. It works. It's going to be fun. It's going to be like, as you know, it's going to happen at Tampa. Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to be fun, but we've already seen them nearly kill each other like three times. So, you know. Yeah. I think with, with the Champa thing, you are right. It's, it's going to be incredibly hard to, if someday we have to try and see him as a heel on NXT, I get the feeling they know that, which is why they've gone down this direction. And you are right. He said at some point that he's not got long left because of his injuries. He's already a producer. Uh, I think it's Evolve or it must be Evolve because I see oh, UK based. Yeah, he's backstage. I can't remember where I saw that or what, where I heard it, but he's training already to be a backstage producer. And things like that That's because, unfortunate. yeah, because unfortunately, as you say, unfortunately, uh, he's he know he's not got long left. He's had his injuries were that bad. I th- think it's evolved where he's already backstage training and learning, which is great. One thing is bad news. One thing it's good news because he's going to step straight into NXT, isn't he? When he's ready, he's going to step straight backstage. Ooh, fantasy booking corner. Um, let Best me. Year. Let me pitch this real quick and let me see how this pans out. William Regal leaves as general manager. Tommaso Ciampa steps in. I'm not saying it has to happen tomorrow or even six months, but a couple of years from now, when William Regal wants to full on just retire, retire, um, I could see Tommaso Ciampa, old man Tommaso Ciampa, being the uh the general manager of sorts of nxt depending on where nxt goes because we have another three years of dynamite uh they've already announced that tna uh tna tnt has picked up uh a uh, AEW dynamite for another couple of years so you would think that uh, william regal is going to want to go into more of like a scouting or teaching sort of role and then maybe get off of tv and get off i don't know if he lives in florida or if he's coming over for you know, a couple of weeks at a time and then going back to the UK or whatever. But I think that if anybody were to replace William Regal as general manager of NXT, the only general manager still standing, I would think that it would be Tommaso Ciampa. I think that that guy at his position with all the things that he's done uh, in NXT, I think that that would be the next logical step. And I think that that might be something that would be fun in a couple of years. I think that's a great, uh, great shout. Oh, a quick question about American TV. I've got no idea about it. Which is a bigger channel, TNT or USA? USA. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, USA has a lot of really groundbreaking sort of shows. Like they've had Psych and Monk and uh, White Collar and Royal Pains. Oh, and- White Collar. My God, what a show. I used White to Collar, actually, love watching that show. My Collar was, I watched it recently on Netflix, like all the way through, maybe about. Yeah, it's on Netflix years. here. That's how I watched it. It's so good. It's fucking really good. It's oh, really, 
Yeah, it's dope. Go watch it. It's uh, what's his name? Matt Bloomer or Mike Bloomer? Which one is Matt, it? Matt, I think no. Matt, Matt Bloomer is no. Matt he's Bloomer in one. Of, he's in one of the Magic Mikes and. Uh, no, no, uh, it's, it's Matthew Bomber. Oh, Matthew Bomber. <laughs> Boomer. <laughs> what am I on about? Um, he's in a. He's in, he's on that show Doom Patrol now as the Invisible Man. Oh, good. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, he's he's great. a great actor. He's, he's really great. Um, but also arguably this the spiritual successor to breaking bad like as far as like the next breaking bad is in my opinion is mr robot and that's a usa show and they've, oh, they've okay. had they've had a long stream of really 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 solid drama shows even suits the first like five six seasons of that show is fucking really goddamn good oh, it's, it's great that's a great show as well and they had psych back in the day and then psych is going to come back and do another movie even though it's going to be on peacock that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother podcast but uh yeah usa is definitely the i think it was like the number two network in the country for a few years when they had a bunch of those shows like i'm talking like up against cbs fox nbc like those guys because nbc owns usa and that's like their their version of uh uh trying to think of like another network that that has like subsidiaries uh it's like their it's like their cable equivalent so they get away with more on usa and that's where a lot oh, of those okay oh okay so okay so usa is owned by nbc yeah it's an nbc universal because yeah. universal owns or NBC and Universal have a partnership and them together they created USA because they were working together a lot, like especially with like House and um, a lot of other shows uh, they worked together a bunch on and they created USA I mean, or they now own USA and especially with Raw and a lot of the other uh, stuff that they put on there. Like it's it's definitely the bigger network because oh, TNT, okay. TNT really only has basketball and fucking dynamite at this point. like they they had they had falling skies for a little while and falling skies was not oh god great. that show sucked oh, After rizzoli, that, season, season one was good they had rizzoli and isles but like do you see how like i was able to name like six or seven usa shows that were really dominant in the ratings especially for uh like on a cable network they don't pull walking dead numbers like on amc and stuff yeah. but like they they pull like if if amc is number one then um usa is probably like number two or three and i'm just doing this off memory i'm not i'm not looking any of this shit up um because i just can't be bothered Uh, (laughs) that's just that's just curious we'll go into more depth on shit like this jimmy will be a guest on uh one of uh well my show coming up hopefully recording in a couple of days time at time of recording the the, yeah the year is where we will uh, my guest this week was Rahul for the pilot. We looked at 1998. Uh, 1998. 1998. Oh, and then on Wednesday, uh, time of recording, we'll look at 1989. And we'll take a look at some American TV and how it's changed over the years when we, oh when you're, when Jimmy is on there. But back to NXT. Uh, with Champa Gargano, it is the fight for everything. Uh, I'm not against them continuing it at TakeOver Tampa. I think Adam Cole probably does need a fresh challenger. That's. I was actually just thinking of that. I yeah. was going to bring that up. Where Adam Cole seems sort of listless at the moment. 
Like, he sort of seems like, because they're focusing on Roderick Strong and Velveteen Dream, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Velveteen Dream is done with the Undisputed Era after this cage match on Wednesday. No, like, you would presume that Dream will get the win again in the cage match, because, like, unless, the only thing we can say, we've been talking about general managers so much, unless Regal is to come in, Roderick Strong wins the cage match. Does Regal then say, "Well, Strong's your challenger at Tampa"? Because the title is going to kind of cause friction between the undisputed era if one of them is the challenger. But I think you just go all in on Dream at this point because we've had what three years of Dream, probably like nearly, nearly yeah, three years yeah. of the Velveteen Dream. I don't think he's. Uh, he had that one title match against Champa when Champa was a full-on bad guy. So yeah. maybe we just maybe we just go all in on Dream again. Otherwise, the obvious challenger at first was Balor, but then Balor's presumably going to be tied up with Walter, and like t- presumably Balor is going to win the title in Ireland at Takeover UK. Oh, you think that you would? Oh, oh, come on! It's so that's where Balor's from. He's from. No, I know, I know. But but the problem, the problem I see is is that with uh, Timothy Thatcher coming in to the performance center, do they screw Balor out of the title because Imperium now has a fifth member? Because uh, Timothy Thatcher was in Ring Comp. Ooh. I mean, you could do that. That would be some serious heat. But then having that, the ending of a, the first NXT UK takeover that's not taking place in the UK. <laughs> like, that's such a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> but, um, They're all. Listen listen to all the other ones. NXT takeover Blackpool 2. NXT takeover uh, fucking where, wherever. Dallas you or know? something. NXT takeover UK Dublin, the first takeover not to take NXT. Fuck, I messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I think Balor's been really strong, and I think that if they br- if they happen to bring in, and I hope I'm not getting this wrong, Timothy Thatcher as yeah. like the fifth member of Imperium, then I think because they don't they very rarely use Alexander Wolf. Like there seems to be this thing with Alexander Wolf, where like even when he was with Sanity, they didn't really use him a, a whole bunch. But and is, I've but noticed I, that as well, and then it seems I don't want to make presumptions and i really don't because i don't know obviously i can't fucking wrestle but like and then they did put him in that takeover match against uh, the when wills collide match and he got taken out of it like 10 minutes in and you are right they don't really use him i've never seen him really have a singles match either there does yeah. seem to be something about there's him a couple there's a couple of them i think like I don't, I don't get it, and we're both tiptoeing up. But he just seems a bit—he's the weak link, literally. Yeah, I mean, he was even overshadowed by Killian Dane in uh, the um, the uh, the War Games match, where like he split the back of his head open. But he also gets injured a lot. That's another thing: is that like he yeah, doesn't he doesn't protect is. himself as well. So he take like at uh, did you watch Worlds Collide? Yeah. I don't know if we talked about this, but yeah, during during that that four on four match, he didn't protect himself at all. As much as that move 
is on Bobby Fish, you also don't lean your temple into a guy kicking you in the fucking head. So, yeah. like, he is very good. Don't get me wrong. I, I like Alexander Wolf a lot, and I want to like him more, but they just don't use him. But Timothy Matt, Timothy Thatcher is also, he's a monster. Mm-hmm. So you're bringing a monster in, which means you have the obvious setup to eventually do Thatcher Water. Which oh, is the was... obvious the obvious direction of any fact of any faction, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. that's that's where they all end up because they're all designed to build stars, aren't they? That's the point of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that would be that could headline any show outside One... of WrestleMania around the world. One final question about the um uh, about the uh, NXT title situation: Do we maybe see? Uh, because it's been rumored for a long time, if just in case you haven't uh, been keeping up on this, ladies and gentlemen, is the um, that NXT will have uh, a, a big presence on WrestleMania. And we've seen that already with Rhea Ripley, uh, chal- uh, uh, Charlotte challenging Rhea Ripley for the women's title on WrestleMania. But do we maybe even see Adam Cole versus the Velveteen Dream at WrestleMania instead of TakeOver Tampa? Uh, for me, no. Uh, I think that's what you headline takeover with. I don't think it needs to be that. I think Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair using that on Raw and NXT, which they have been doing, is enough for me for NXT's present on WrestleMania. I think Adam Colby, Velveteen Dream, headlines takeover. I think it gets lost in the shuffle at WrestleMania. In amongst, like, you're going to have Edge v. Randy Orton. You're going to have The Fiend v. John Cena, uh, Goldberg, Roman Reigns, and uh, Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre. It's going to get lost in the shuffle, unfortunately. It would be in somewhere in the middle of the card, and it would well, like, get 10, 12 minutes, maybe. Even though uh, like that argument could have been made for uh, Dunn and Cole at uh, Survivor Series, um, that match ended up being fucking really good like really goddamn yeah good. so yeah, well, was that maybe do you think the beta test for using nxt championship matches on main card super shows the other thing is what do you headline takeover with because they've already got they had already announced the women's ta- ladder tag uh, not tag team the women's ladder match for the number one contendership for the women's title at TakeOver. We've got to have some titles at TakeOver. We've got to have something. Because unless it's going to get headlined by the North American title or by the tag team titles, which is doable, because it's going to be a fantastic night of wrestling, no matter what, because it's NXT. Like, we got to headline it with something. And I think that's Adam Cole's role it, at this WrestleMania weekend, is to headline TakeOver he will shoulder all the responsibility to headline it with whoever he faced. We are presuming it's the Velveteen Dream. Um, but it's the only guy who makes sense. Yeah, it it is, and may or and you put Balor and Walter on that card, and it's stacked to the to the hills. Well, like, then why not finish ba- with Balor and Walter then? You could WrestleMania do. weekend. I, I feel like maybe Balor and Walter works better on NXT. And I then d- you do Adam Cole versus the Dream on WrestleMania. Yeah, 
you are right. You could absolutely do that because you've got Ballas name name value in the mainstream because of his time on the main roster, and you got Waters name on the independent scene for those that maybe haven't for those casual fans that are there at WrestleMania weekend that haven't necessarily seen his work, which is fair enough. So I think you could do it, but I think you just you double main event it with Balor and Walter, and then you follow it up with Cole and presumably the Velveteen Dream. You pad it out with your tag title match and then with a couple of feuds that we got going on, maybe the four-way that we were on about for the North American, and then uh, another match that you stick at the start of the show to start it off or something like that and take over is stacked. I just worry that and maybe it's a bit of NXT bias because I watch it every single week that it would get lost in the shuffle at WrestleMania a bit, that it wouldn't necessarily get the glory that it deserves instead of the 20, 25 minute classic that we might get between Cole and Dream, presumably Dream. We'd probably only get 10 or 12 minutes at a push on a WrestleMania. So maybe I'm being a little bit biased there. As far as using the term classic when referring to a a match that involves Velveteen Dream. Oh, come on. He's got a five-star match, hasn't he? That ladder match in New Orleans. Yeah, but there were five other people in that match. How many five-star matches have you got? Uh, in my from, mind or in real life, <laughs> um, but Big no, Daddy, from Big Daddy Melts, from Big Daddy Melts, uh, none. Uh, but oh, okay. But no, my my question, my question is as snarky as it sounded. My question is that like we've seen classics from Velveteen Dream where it was like him and Aleister Black, uh, but then we also had matches like the one with him and Roderick Strong recently, or the one with him and Cassius Ono. Where yeah. they're fine, they're okay, you know. But like you gotta, and I, I guess that because I was gonna say that you gotta put him with the right person. But Adam Cole could wrestle like a, a hologram of himself, and it would be outstanding. Yeah. You are right, and I get the point you're trying to make. We've also got to remember that Velveteen Dream is insanely inexperienced. He is like. like what, well, when he wrestled, I remember out of his match of Alistair Black that was all about Alistair Black saying the Velveteen Dream's name it's in twenty. My 20- favorite Velveteen Dream, uh, Velveteen Dream match ever. Yeah, he was only two years into the business at that point. Like mm-hmm. he had, he's crazy young. So we've also got to give him a break. He's also just coming off of his first and Touchwood, um, his only big injury layoff in his career as well so we've also got to give him a break in that sense that not only is he inexperienced he's also lost how long was he gone four or five months four or five, five months, months yeah. five months of his own of his three and a bit year career so we've then got to take off that five months he's only what three years into the business so <laughs> i think we kind of got to give him a little bit of a break in that sense whereas he's going up against adam cole who's what 12 13 years deep yeah yeah yeah. or he's in there with roderick strong who's potentially 20 years deep um sorry if i'm getting that wrong or like johnny gargano who i heard on the after the bell podcast this week which was an excellent listen as well with johnny gargano and then ron funches 
the comedian as well and uh he was an insanely funny listen as well so go check that out if you want to and like johnny gargano was on about how he's 15 16 years in like so i think we do have to give him a wee bit of a break there the fact he's even in this position is insane yeah and and that's that's the thing that like nxt is like worthwhile like for because NXT is still very much NXT, except they have a slightly higher sort of like focus on yeah. the top of the card, whereas NXT just specifically on the network had sort of a higher focus on the lower card. Yeah, definitely. And um, NXT it's it's the standard at takeovers is mental. Like the standard the last three uh, years the last three years of takeovers, oh, every been single insane. one have except for maybe orlando i remember orlando being talked about as like why like sort of like uh, the worst I anymore i remember that one no because i've been going back and watching old takeovers just like to fall asleep too and stuff like that but then i find myself like staying up and then having I remember put- new orleans was meant i loved new orleans that was crazy and i think yeah, no, portland, new orleans was great yeah uh portland i think was up there with new orleans at 25 some point. 25 was good uh new york is insane they're new all mental. fantastic from last year's wrestlemania yeah the standard of takeovers is crazy and i think the dream and uh adam colt they could easily I think you main event that takeover with that. You have Walter and Ballard just behind it. You've then got the women's ladder match. Presumably it's going to be a six women ladder match. Uh, you've got the bros weights as well. You then pad it. You then got the four way for the North American title. You maybe add another match or you just leave it at that. Do you, uh, do you think that maybe uh grizzled young veterans get back in there against the bros weights for the next uh, takeover? I think, I think that's your, I think that's your temper tag team match. Yeah. Yeah, because I, their match on uh, on TV during the uh, the tag classic was unfucking believable. I mean, it was so good because Zach Gibson <laughs> and James Drake, I I think that's like the, they are the guys who deserve to be over on. And I don't mean to like shit talk NXT UK, but let's be real here. Let's be completely clear and honest. NXT UK does not get as many viewers. It doesn't get as many like. It doesn't get as much attention as NXT proper gets. So if you were going to bring somebody over, especially after the Street Profits went up or went over to Raw, you you would think that Grizzly Young Veterans are the team. Like if they had brought Gallus over, that would be one thing. But like Grizzly Young Veterans, with the way Zach Gibson controls a microphone, like... It's crazy, isn't it? He's so engaging in the way that he talks. He's so good as a heel... They're still doing the take your shoes off if you hate Zach Gibson thing. And I think, uh, I think hearing uh, an American crowd try and get the rhythm down for that chant is so funny because I I'll like, oh, no. you guys are not good at getting. We're not good at. It. Why You're do you so think bad. all of our all <laughs> of our chants all of our chants are like Keith Lee, Keith Lee? Yeah, like really, we don't really do bad. we don't do these these like soccer chants. At take like even at shoes off, take your shoes off, take your shoes off if you hate, take 
Hughes of if you hate Zach Gibson. <laughs> they don't know how to do it. And even like I'm gonna admit it, like this is this is like something I, I like I do it at home. Like if I'm really into a match, like I'll I'll stand up and I'll get like into it because I'm a bleeding fucking mark. Okay. Like I've been watching wrestling for twenty for twenty years or whatever at this point. I work in wrestling now, so like it, it's it, it gets to a point where like I will like stand there and I'll like get into to matches. And then when you hear a crowd struggle through a fucking <laughs> chant that works so well some other place that is on the same network, you just, you sort of go, oh, honey. Like, um, but like, I mean, yeah, I think Grizzly Young Veterans, uh, that's probably your takeover match. But I, I fucking love the Broserweights so much. I think that they're the best thing in the tag division. I think, right? Yeah, I think you should run with them. I think you should run with the Broserweights because... Unfortunately, if you're going to break up the Brezweights, you either break them up cleanly, which means one of them goes one way to another rivalry or to the North American, and one of them goes up to the tag titles, or you do it dirty and you end up with them facing each other. It's going to be a killer match, but I'd wait for that. I'd wait for that a lot longer. I'd run with them. And I'd also, I'd do more funny vignettes with them. Because oh yeah, the, the, the fucking stuff... one with the swan and then with the plane. They did it on the same episode of NXT. I want to see more of that shit. I want to see Matt the... Riddle's comedy side. It was it was the broad trip. They <laughs> they went on a broad trip together. How fuck when when uh Pete was driving on the wrong side of the well in America the wrong side <laughs> of the road, and and then they get pulled over and uh, like Matt Riddle is suddenly like more serious than you've ever fucking seen him in NXT and he's like let me do all the talking because I got it <laughs> and whatever and then they tow the car and then they get into the 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 boot of the fucking which Pete going like stop calling it the boot like just call it the, <laughs> yeah, the fucking so good. It's so good. And then Triple H walking to the plane the way that we've all envisioned him walking anywhere <laughs> to his own theme. Like, that whole thing was great. And then when they get to the pay-per-view on to the pre-show, when they get to Portland, and they're like, well, how did you manage to get the cart here? But you hadn't gotten – we couldn't get up here by ourselves. And and stuff, and he just goes, free shipping, bro. Oh, no, he says, um, uh, creative license, bro. Like <laughs> the fourth wall so brilliantly, like the stuff that they're able to do. I'm not a big fan of how much fish would Bobby fish fish. If Bobby fish could fry fish. Oh, I love that. I thought it was brilliant. I, it's hard to get into something when they have the lyrics at the bottom and then like the hopping fish. Yeah, that was weird. Like, it's that. a little weird and stuff, but like, I love the Broser rates so much. I didn't expect to love them as much, but I immediately fell in love with them. Like the promo that Matt Riddle cuts when he was just like, I looked at him and I, and he gave me the Pete Dunn special and I gave him the bro special. <laughs> and we were like, what up? Like, I'm all about it. I just want a better theme for them. And that's it. Like if you could work in into bro, Ooh, but there's a yeah, way you are right touch with somebody get in touch with dj cummerbund on youtube because this is what he does and that he can figure out a way where both of those songs will work together i think they got rid of cfos like four months too early if they would have just kept cfos on in wwe and let them do because like doing the the pete dunn theme and then stopping it abruptly with the bro it was cool the first time 
but like now it just seems a little disjointed and they need to come together a little bit more, especially now that they're tag teams. Um, we're talking about something that's super unimportant. Uh, so uh, one one final thing uh, as we're talking about NXT, and then we'll start moving toward that podcast sunset, I guess. I don't know. Other podcasts use that. I'm, I, I don't know. Point is, is uh, the women's division in NXT has been probably the strongest women's division in wrestling at the moment. Um, Because you have like Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair and then lower card people like Xia Lee and uh, Candice LeRae and stuff. And there seems to be like this conscious effort in NXT for the women's division with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte at WrestleMania. What does the women's division sort of look like in NXT after WrestleMania is where my brain is sort of at. Does Rhea retain? If so, who's her next opponent? If Charlotte if Charlotte wins, who comes in and then challenges Charlotte on NXT? So, Nathan, I got to know, where's your brain at as far as Rhea, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte? I think Rhea Ripley realistically, uh, or Rhea realistically, has Ooh, to win. <laughs> son of a bitch. I think she need, has to win. I think I know it'd be two losses in a row for Charlotte at WrestleMania, but she didn't get pinned at the last WrestleMania, so it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I think Rhea has to win, to be honest. I think after that, you got to look at who's going to win that ladder match. And the obvious answer for me is if she's staying in the double double E, uh, it's Io Shirai. Yeah, I, think, I agree. Uh, Io I agree. Shirai has to win that ladder match. If she's staying, there's all sorts of rumours and speculation. If she's not staying, I mean, you've got to look at Dakota Kai and the work that she's doing with Raquel Gonzalez. Gonzalez at the moment, they're building up a good heel faction. Or someone like uh, Mia Yim or Chelsea Green, where are they going with the Robert Stone brand? A kind of gimmick that they got going on over there. You got Tegan Knox. You got so many possibilities. I think uh, the Chelsea Bian- Green Bianca thing. Belair. I presume Bianca Belair was that was a way of kind of writing her off from being a main challenger and sending her up to the main roster because she would fit right in on Raw. Uh, yeah, with yeah. the way that she conducts herself. She's incredible in the ring. They've shown with Charlotte Flair. They've shown consistently that she can main event shows. Bianca Belair can main event shows and put on killer matches. But I think that was maybe the swan song from Bianca Belair for NXT. She's going to head up probably to Raw because they like to keep like to go real for a second we know they like to keep couples together and she's married to montez ford of the street profits spoilers if you didn't know that but um, yeah. <laughs> but uh so i think may like if she's gonna stay in nxt then i think bianca belair to be honest she'd win the ladder match if she's gonna stay but and it's gotta do be Rhea me, versus bianca again yeah I think you could main event that a takeover with that again. You'd have to put Bianca Belair over at that point, but she's never won the NXT Women's Championship. You can make a story out of that. But if Bianca Belair is going up to Raw, which realistically that's the way they're heading, Io Shirai for me or Dakota Kai. Yeah, I think I think Io is definitely the right call if she's sticking around. Um, 
Dakota Kai, I can see that maybe. Uh, Chelsea Green, I have to completely disagree with. That awful, rubbish, fucking, like, uh, unprettier that she pulled because she did it backwards. Like, it looked Oh, terrible. yeah. What the hell was that? I presume that was a botch. Oh, like, it definitely was. It was on Botchamania, the last Botchamania episode. Uh, and it's, I don't know. I just don't think that... Um, I, I don't know. I just don't think Chelsea Green belongs in that conversation for uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, it just the, the Robert Stone is fun, but like, where is Stokely Hathaway? Where is oh, where is this guy? Where, where's Malcolm Bivens or whatever his NXT name is? That yeah. guy on the social media is unreal amounts of hilarious. Right? Wow. Where you're right? Where he he now he manages on the house shows. That's he. He manages. Oh, his name's escaped from my head. But the super, super tall guy. Now, the guy he manages is legit, and this is legit basketball records. He's seven foot two. Jesus. So that's the guy that he's managing on the house shows at the moment. So presumably they are building that guy up to bring to TV. Un- I understand that completely, but. He that he needs to be on TV ASAP. He is unreal, hilarious. Uh, if you've not followed, if you're not following his social medias, Malcolm Bivens, M A L C O L M for mother, B I V E N S. He's un. He's he needs to be on TV ASAP. Oh, for sure, for sure. That whole thing that he did on his YouTube where he was, like, looking for his, like, his boombox or something. <laughs> his CD player. His CD player, his CD player, yeah, yeah. Um, that was fantastic. Uh, but that was NXT. That's pretty much the, per, the, uh, the, the wrestling world as it exists. But to close things out, I would think that maybe, uh, Nathan, you said that you saw something online uh, where uh, people were sort of not taking the wrestling world as it is, but taking the wrestling world as it could be in the sort of fantasy booking realm. So I think it might be fun. Close out the podcast with a little something you picked up in the Twitterverse. Enlighten the people. Yeah, I saw a few people tweeting a couple of accounts, uh, having a bit of fun for once uh, with an AEW and NXT wrestling card. Now, I'm not sure how they were conducting this. They were just all throwing out matches. So I think it'd be fun between us, Jimmy, just to come up with a takeover-style card, which is five or six matches, six at a push. Usually they go for five. So let's just go for five matches. No titles on the line. I think that's fair enough to say, because otherwise it's going to get complicated. Let's go for five matches. Say it's a takeover special, AEW VNXT. Uh, where's your header? What what would you say is opening the show for if you, that was to happen? Where's your ideas uh, heading straight away? My head, actually, the first place my brain went was Broserweights versus the Young Bucks. Yeah, I think Takeover I think usually opens with a tag team match. It, it's it's known to happen from time to time, especially because they, uh, especially with people like uh, with acts like the Broserweights and the Young Bucks, they're very exciting. Um, uh, and Nathan, I swear to God, dude, you gotta watch Revolution as soon as possible because I that, will watch it next time. Next time we do a wrestling podcast, which Jimmy, it'll be probably be me and you doing Animation Chamber without okay. Scott. 
Okay. Uh, so I will have watched Revolution at some point. It's just unfortunate timing for the UK uh, yeah, that I wasn't able to watch it. Um, but yeah, I think that the perfect way to open up then AEW versus NXT crossover spectacular would have to be uh, the Young Bucks versus uh, the Broserweights. I think that match, if you give it 25 minutes, e- even longer than that, I mean, based on the Revolution match that went 30, if you give it like 20, 25 minutes, that match could be really fucking spectacular and it could be a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, it leaves the next match in sort of a little bit of a lurch, but uh, we'll work on that as we go along. Where did your mind first go for crossover matches? I think I would straight away my mind went to a tag match as well. I was going to put the Young Bucks and I was going to suggest the new boys, the Grizzled Young Vets. Oh, see, but see, for the Grizzled Young Vets, I was thinking more Lucha Brothers. Ooh, like as far as styles go. Have the Lucha Rabbits been doing a lot in AEW? Uh, not as of late. They're actually uh, they're feuding with uh, the best friends at the moment. Uh, they came oh, out. Oh, okay. They come out during the Pac and uh, or Pac, whichever way you say it, Pac uh, versus Orange Cassidy match towards the end. They come out, so like they have like a little bit of a thing going on with them. But uh, before that, Ray Phoenix uh, wrestled. Uh, I think it was Nick Jackson one on one, and that match is fucking spectacular. Yeah, that was on TV, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that was. I, on I, I saw that. I saw that match on Dynamite. That was, that was classy. But I'd agree with the tag match. I'm, I'm happy to concede that it would be the Young Bucks against uh, the Bruiserweights. I think that would be that'd just be class. I would follow that up next, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take someone that isn't necessarily on NXT anymore but i'm gonna throw it out there anyway and i'm gonna go nyla rose and shana baszler i think i think you could i think you could main event with that but Ah. i i would put that maybe earlier in the card with the ideas for the main events that could easily be thrown out but i'm gonna go nyla rose and shana baszler um i'm i'm just Flat out, I think I'm just going to agree with you on that one just because um, AEW's women's division uh, is not super duper strong. Mm. Yeah, Um, there's got some issues. There's some issues that still need to be ironed up. I'm happier with it than when I was on the full gear review. I think, think, honestly, uh, that, like, if if we want to stick maybe with, like, a like a sort of theme i would maybe do Rhea and uh nyla just for size yeah i mean i think i think maybe that shana baser shana baser perhaps doesn't count on nxt anymore so i'm happy to go Rhea ripley just based on as you say just based on size or or this just popped into my head i'm sorry i keep interrupting you i truly i am this just popped into my head as far as strength goes bianca and nyla I do love Bianca Belair. I think Bianca Belair is phenomenal. I've uh, really learned to love her theme music and her whole. Oh, uh, like, I can nearly sing that. In, I had it stuck in my head ever since Takeover. So I'm on my own against the world. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's so yeah. catchy. And her, her entire entrance thing, like, uh, I watched Takeover Portland, where it was on the. 
it was on a Sunday, so it must have been Monday morning. I had the Monday off, so I watched the entire thing uh, with my girlfriend Jasmine, and she was just singing the song as well. It was like, I'm on my own against the world. That and is pretty great. That's so pretty great. good. And, um, Bianca became her favorite because we also watched the Raw. I made, uh, I say I made her. I probably did, but I made her watch the Royal Rumble as well. Mm-hmm. Up to a point, we watched that the women's Royal Rumble live, and uh, again, Bianca Belair just became her favorite from there. And she's not a wrestling fan in any way, shape, or form, but she kind of has to watch them now. But I think, uh, next up, uh, this just popped into my head, so I'm just gonna say it Keith Lee one on one with Luchasaurus. Mm. Oh no. Jimmy, I'm sorry. No? I, I don't like Leechosaurus. No. I, I'm not I'm not into this Jurassic Express gimmick. And I know it I know it's a me thing. I know they're perfectly good. No, I, I we're gonna have to fight about this. So should we fight? You're kinda far away, but we can fight if you want. No, no, I, I think uh like it just it happened to pop into my head, so I was like, ooh, let me let me throw this out there. Uh, I'm not. I'm not into the Jurassic Express. I've got to be honest. It's not a Luchasaurus thing. It's not. A, also, it's not a Jim Cornette size thing. I like Marco Stunt on his own and everything. I like Jungle Boy. I like him. I think I've got no problem with size. I'm. I'm I just can't get into the gimmick for whatever reason. There's no real. I don't have a reason for not being super into them. It's not. I think they're great. But I just can't get into the gimmick for um so our cards are gonna kinda split from here. I understand that people are super into them. So to me, it's one of those annoying things. Have you ever watched a movie where everyone likes it and you don't know why you don't like it? Oh yeah, a bunch of Yeah. I don't know why I don't like the Jungle Express, because I like them all. I like all three members. I don't. There's no reason for me to not like them, but I don't like the Jungle Express, and I don't know why. So like, it's like, um, sort of like the way that the Shield ended up becoming, where it's like the sum of their parts, ex- like, exceeds the amount that they would get to as a group. Maybe you. it's that because I do like, I like Marco style. I've got no problem with. I, so I'm sorry that it automatically goes this way, but that is the obvious thing that people are just going to go. Nathan doesn't like the fact that he's super small. No, I, I, I don't care about that. I love Ray. I love Ray. I've always loved Ray Mysterio, even when he was facing Big Show and pinning him with leg drops and things like that. I love <laughs> I love Ray Mysterio, and I like uh, Marcus Stunt. I like Jungle Boy. I like um, what's Jungle his, Boy. Was no what's the the big guy luchasaurus luchasaurus fucking <laughs> luchasaurus and uh, i like him uh i got no problem with any of the three i just don't really like the i think i just don't really like the gimmick to be honest you know what's weird is that this weekend just gone me and um jasmine my girlfriend i know it sounds like i'm just trying to big league people i have a girlfriend uh we watched like two of the jurassic parks this weekend which one? Same. Uh, we were going to watch them in order. So we watched Jurassic Park and then we watched The Lost World. Then we realized that they were shit after that. So we didn't, watch, we, we didn't really like The Lost World. 
So we were like, yeah, we're not going to watch the rest of these. So we didn't watch any of the rest. And, um, yeah, so maybe I just hate dinosaurs at the minute. Because I, I think The Lost World is a bit shit. It's not great. No, it's not great. No, it wasn't great. And we didn't bother watching the rest. Even um, though we could have done. So maybe I just hate dinosaurs in a minute. It's possible, yeah. Um, so so we've, I'm, we've willing to concede, I'm willing to concede that that match is probably yeah, not. Yeah, so can Keith Lee face really. someone? Who could, you know what? Fuck it. Um, exploding barbed wire death match with John Moxley. Keith Lee and, and John Moxley. Yeah, Keith Lee, John Moxley. Why not? All right. Yeah, I mean, I was probably going to use John Moxley for like Champa or something. Nah, nah, fuck that. That's too obvious. Yeah, um, it is. It is that's ra- rather too, obvious, too yeah. obvious and really good. I don't. I want to book this so that it doesn't sell well. Uh. So then. <laughs> oh, what about like? What about like maybe Walter? Uh, one on one with you know what? This is you think the way that you reacted to St. Walter was my immediate problem is because I thought of Walter before we said the Keith Lee match, and I was like, AEW doesn't have anyone that's really big, (laughs) yeah, it's fair. Or Jeff Cobb, Jeff Cobb, have they signed him though? Because I thought it was just a one off. Was it a one? I, I thought that they had announced that he was. I don't know. I, I don't have know. they? Has he? Had, have they actually signed him? Because if they've actually signed him, I'm willing to do that. But this was the problem that I immediately thought. And this isn't. I I've really enjoyed AEW. I feel like I have to preface everything on podcasts, but it's, I have it's enjoyed. 2020. That's why. Yeah, I have enjoyed AEW recently. They don't have anyone size wise, and because as I say, I thought of Walter before we just said Keith Lee and I was like yeah they don't who could stack up against Walter like John Moxley could that could or, be interesting that would be interesting so I'm kind of willing to swap Keith Lee and Moxley and go Walter and Cobb and um Cobb uh Walter and Moxley mm-hmm. maybe and save Walter for later but then I also don't know who Walter would then face. Like, yeah, I don't want to do a corner here. I don't want to put him up against. Oh, it's going to sound so horrible. I don't want to put him up against Hager. No, no, no. no I and I, I am sure Dustin against Hager was a little too long. Hey. To be honest with you. <laughs> I'm sure it was really good. It was a little too long. <laughs> he comes out. I'm not spoiling anything, but he comes out. Uh, Jake Hager. He comes out to uh, this like I think it's the same song he used in Bellator. So it's like some like oh, trap rap song or something. Is it really? Yeah, do, yeah. It, does he do the We the People thing? No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Oh, uh, but then he comes God. out and he full on makes out with his wife for like way oh, too long. Fuck's sake! Um, He's such a twat. Yeah, and I I wasn't gonna include Hager in this at all to be honest with you. Um, so. I um I'm, we're just gonna go into better times than that. I'm gonna straight away throw out a tag team match for you, and you're gonna your mind is gonna be blown. I wanna throw out LAX, um because I can't remember what they're called now. They're just part of the inner circle now. Like they were calling them proud uh, and powerful, but proud, proud, proud and powerful. Proud and powerful. 
uh, Undisputed Era. Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Kyle, Fish? Yeah, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Immediately. I'm going to build on that. And I'm going to say that you do Proud and Powerful, uh, Imperium, Fabian oh, Eichner geez. and Marcel Bartel, The yeah. Undisputed Era, and, ah, uh, fuck, I had another AEW tag team. Oh, Private Future Party. Race. No, oh, private, private party. party. Oh, my God. Yeah, you do a four-way, two, uh, two from NXT. Two I think from that's, your, that's your ladder match. I think that's your ladder match. Four tag teams, and you're a crazy person, and I love you for it. We need we need a gimmick match in this. So what have we got so far? We got, um, what did we open this with? These people have been listening. They know what we have. Uh, <laughs> we have four. Yeah, that <laughs> Good, because I match. don't. <laughs> what did we open with? Uh, we opened with, I don't know, fucking something I said. Rosa Waits and Young There Bucks. we go. There yeah. you go. And then we went Nyla Rose and Rhea Ripley. Uh-huh. And then we went, where did we go? Went into the dark recesses of we don't know what the third match is, and then we moved on to the Fatal 4-Way Tag ladder match. Oh, okay, so we got three. Uh, I'm going to say we have four. I think there was a <laughs> middle ground somewhere in that third match. What was the fourth match? Uh, Walter and... Um, what was it, Walter? And Moxley. Walter and Moxley, yeah. Yeah, it's screw it. All to a Moxley. If it wasn't, screw it. It is now. And then five was that tag team ladder match. Four was the ladder match. And now the fifth match, the main event, is we haven't decided yet. Okay. So, oh, this is tricky. What's the main event? So, it's got to be Jericho. You think? No. Fuck Jericho. I don't care about him. It's got to be Kenny Omega. And, you know, it's because Kenny Omega took over from the Bullet Club when they murdered Adam Cole. Oh, so Kenny Kenny and Cole. Okay. Imagine. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Vignettes you can do. That's it. That L.A. Noir style yep. of Kenny Omega figuring out who's messing with his shit. And it turns out to be the ghost of Adam Cole. Yep, that's it. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. You, We're not going to get any better than that. So that's our card right there. The stuff we just mentioned, headlined by Kenny Omega versus Adam Cole. The Bullet Club fucking explodes. AJ Styles comes out and just fucking wang, 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 because you know I'm what? Georgia. What, what fantastic work that we've just done. Jimmy, I've got a the Reverend James Gold Sweet Ale in front of me right now, and I'm toasting it to you. Thank you. I am... I am toasting you with a bottle of Poland Spring water um, because I, I drank the only two beers that I had in my house uh, rather quickly while we were doing this podcast. So I just went on the water until I went back to the store. Um, good, good stuff. Good so, stuff. ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here on this uh, rather uh, long update on the state of professional wrestling and what's going on in it. Um, for Scott McLeod, who had to leave us prematurely, um, I'm Jimmy Baxter. Um, if you go on to YouTube and Facebook and you look up Pro Wrestling Magic, we do a weekly uh, wrestling show called Monday Morning Magic that I host pretty regularly. Uh, commentary is done by my commentary partner, Mark Williams. Uh, also, Shane Fair and uh, Riley Madison is our new trainee, uh, if you've been following along with the stories at all. 
Uh, that's on the Pro Wrestling Magic YouTube and Facebook pages. So please go over there and join us as we build to our next big live show, Cheers, a place where everybody knows your name. Um, and uh, we're doing sitcoms this this cycle. It's actually pretty great. Uh, we close every show with the uh, with the theme song. It's pretty great. Um, so uh, thank you guys very much. Nathan, what are your plugs? Yeah, you can find me uh, at Nathan Greer. You can find Rogue Opinions at Rogue underscore Opinions. Check back through the archives. The Banter Munich podcast is back with Reese and Carl. You've got my new series up there where uh, called The Year Is, where I will be joined by a co-host every single week, a different co-host for that matter. And we will be just looking back at the year they were born and the new interesting news and tidbits from that year that we will discuss. So for the pilot episode, the week just gone, I was joined by Rahul. So we took a look at 1998 because he is apparently a young boy. And just all the interesting news that happened in that year. And I'll have, as I say, a different co-host every week and we'll look at a different year. Otherwise, you can also listen to my voice uh, on a couple of episodes of a podcast called Night Drive. And that is at Night Drive FM, uh, hosted by the absolutely hilarious Michael Truly. And yeah. Go check that out on Twitter, on Instagram and everything like that. And everywhere podcasts are found. Otherwise, I've got nothing else going on at the minute. Jimmy, thank you very much. Uh, dude, thank you so much. Uh, it's always a pleasure to get to come on here and uh, shoot the shit with the A-team. Um, I forgot to give my Twitter handle, so I'm at Mr. Riot. That's M-R-R-I-0-T because Counter-Strike was the thing when I was a kid. Really getting bored of saying that. Please, people, give me something <laughs> else to say because I'm outsourcing it to you, the people, because that's what we're here for. And we hope that you've had an assful of Rogue Opinions comment uh, commentary on the current state of professional wrestling. For Nathan Greenaway, I'm Jimmy Baxter. Please join us again real soon. Thank you very much, and bye-bye.